series of safety regulations in the lead-up to the blaze. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey will have all the latest on this story coming up in the next half an hour here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Milton Keynes is getting a new university. The joint collaboration between the University of Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes Council is being launched later this morning. From September, there'll be a university campus and the first students have already applied. Residents in some villages around Stevenage fear their communities may be swallowed up if expansion plans for the area get approved. It's thought up to 10,700 homes will be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030, with public consultation currently taking place over seven large sites. John O'Donnell Watts from Gravely says the nearby site is important for wildlife. They're looking on essentially expanding Stevenage out towards Gravely. Local residents are worried that they're simply going to fill in the gap. Essentially, we are going to become part of Stevenage. This area is a very important area for wildlife. We have uh, quite a few red-listed bird species. We've got the skylarks, grey partridge, I've seen red kite here, all sorts of things. A survey by the Patients Association suggests four out of five people in England wouldn't feel safe relying on the NHS out-of-hours service for an urgent medical problem. More than 3,000 members of the association were questioned in all. The government says a different survey suggests that two-thirds are happy with out-of-hours care. But Catherine Murphy from the association says the service is just getting worse. Patients and the public have no idea who to access and when to access these services. So to for people and patients and the public to to feel safe they need to have the confidence in a system that's going to be there for them when they need to access it. Moving on to football and the England under-21 side had another comfortable victory in Buckinghamshire last night. They beat Romania 3-0 at Wickham. Finally, weather then, it's staying quite cloudy. We're going to have a little bit of rain around or sleet as well. Windy and cold temperatures, 4 degrees Celsius, 39 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. morning this is ian lee bbc three counties radio three minutes past six it's friday it's the freaking weekend baby i'm about to have me some fun to quote the words of uh, was it cat stephen no it was r kelly i believe who did that lots coming up on the show this morning as always very keen to get your opinions on uh, the stories that we're talking about a couple of interesting ones as well including the parents of a buck's baby fight to save her life The medical profession describes her condition as, quote, incompatible with life, unquote. Well, imagine being told that about your little baby. We'll hear more about their story next. And a story that we've been talking about on this programme for what it feels like months. Well, it is months, that's why. The huge fire at a wood recycling centre in St Albans. Well, Justin Dilley is on his way to the site to find out exactly what's going on now. And thousands of homes could be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030. Residents fear their villages could be swallowed up. They'll be telling us why they're so worried. If you want to get in touch, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text if you want, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or, and this is the best way to do it, you can give me a phone call. Who's going to be the first person to call in this morning? Could be you. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the parents of a baby who was given just weeks to live when she was born are fighting to get treatment which they believe will extend her life. 
Grace Williams from Langley on the Bucks Berkshire border has Edwards syndrome. It's a rare genetic condition which includes serious heart problems. The bleak way the medical profession describe her condition is that it is, quote, incompatible with life, unquote. But her parents are challenging that, and Grace is now nearly four months old. Well, we'll be speaking to her mother, Laura, in about an hour's time. But first of all, we can talk to Sally Flatto-Taylor, who's a counsellor with the Maypole Project. Good morning, Sally. Good morning. Now, just to get this right, the Maypole Project, what exactly do you do? We, we counsel families where there are children who have complex medical needs. So uh, Grace would be, um, and her family would be a typical family we'd support. And what kind of support can you offer a family like that? Um, well, we're basically a, a counselling service, but it's counselling with a difference. So a lot of the families don't need or want counselling, but we will meet with them, find out what their needs are individually and collectively as a family, and then support them for as long as they want. So, you know, we, we meet them as early as we can, and our support will go right the way through the child's life and beyond sometimes. I was, I was going to ask, is, is a lot of your, um, your, the help that you offer... Uh, in pr- helping the family prepare for the death of their child? Uh, yes, a proportion is. Not all of our children will be uh, will become palliative or, or even die. But yes, a lot of our, our work can be about looking at sort of long-term hope and expectations for the parents and sometimes preparing towards the death. And, and, and as in this case, you know, sometimes towards treatments and helping them make choices around treatments. How diff- I've got two little boys, three and one, and, and one's having a little operation compared to this, absolutely nothing at all. But, but, but I'm trying to put myself in their position. How difficult is it for a parent to accept that your baby has a, a limited amount of time? It's incredibly difficult, and um, acceptance is a big word. Sometimes it's, it's used too, sort of too often, I, I believe. Um, I think people work in different ways and they can accept on different levels but I think it's about hope, you know maintaining their hope um, but keeping a tinge of reality in there and sort of keeping them make, making sure the communication between the team and the family runs smoothly so that they they will always hope for the for a magical miracle um, and for the longest life possible for their child but it's helping them sort of also see the reality of the child's condition the, the re- reality is, is uh, I, I guess the important word, and I know that if it was one of my boys, I would want to do everything I possibly could to try and give them a little bit longer. But I guess at some point, or maybe they don't, but the, I would imagine that the parents have to accept that they've done enough and they have to step back and, well, it's a horrible thing to say, allow their child to pass on peacefully. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And how, how difficult is that for a parent to accept that? Every family is completely different. There are, you know, everyone has a unique response to, to different different life issues and um, some families I've worked with have actually accepted the fact their child is going to die and actually wants the child to to have treatment which will help their symptoms and ease them to an, uh, to a, a, as good as possible a death um, and they find the medical teams are actually fighting them and trying to treat so everyone is completely different you know in how they react so it's about finding out what the families know and understand and want and helping them to you know get a good enough team around them who um you know good relationships with the team around them there are cases that, that we hear about where parents have been told their their kids haven't got much time but they fight and they fight and uh, the treatment has actually proved effective can you give help to families to help them battle the health services yes we do we do we we 
we work with the family and then sometimes we'll actually go with the family into different meetings that they have to attend um, and help make sure their voice is heard because that's the one problem that I find families find is that their voice isn't always heard by everyone. The decision that, you know, a, an illness or disability isn't compatible with life is an incredibly hard thing to hear and as you say, sometimes, you know, it is worth fighting that extra mile for them. So yeah, we'll stay alongside. So our service goes into you know form of advocacy with the family as well how on earth do you do your job sally i would just find it so heartbreaking having to deal with this people have such strengths so that's one thing that uh, resilience of of people amazes me on a daily basis their ability to reach out to a service you know counseling still has a certain amount of uh, stigma and taboo around it so even that in itself is a sign of, of strength quite often um i have a lot of training behind me a lot of experience but i also have good supervision so i you know that's how i keep my feet on the ground and it is sad you know Mm. I'm human as well. It's a human service that we run that we do we do become sad with families, but we keep strong because we need to ha- we need to be alongside them. Sally, I really appreciate your time uh, coming on this morning. It's Sally Flatter Taylor, who's a counsellor with the Maypole Project. We're speaking there um, about Grace Williams, who's a little girl from Langley who's got Edwards syndrome. She's been told, or her parents have been told, that the condition is incompatible with life. Well, we'll be speaking to uh, to her mother, Laura, in just about an hour's time. Got this in pocket. Got battle. I am gonna use it. Intention. I feel. Been diving, detour, leaning, no reason.
We've got Nanny Eileen coming up in about 35 minutes. She'll be listening to this week's um, BBC Introducing track. I've, I, I've been assured that it's a little bit more upbeat than the last few we've played her. I've been worried about her, Nanny Eileen. The last few we've played her seem to have sent her into a right old tizzy. So I'm hoping we've got something a little bit upbeat. And before the end of the show, I've got a banjo coming in. Oh, yes. I nearly brought my banjo in and then, if I'm honest... I couldn't be bothered. Just a, a brief follow-on from yesterday's bread special, which is, it's, 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 I believe yesterday's show has been recorded on a C90 cassette and has been sent to Sony for their awards ceremony. I'm, I'm, fingers crossed that, that yesterday's bread special could be a winner. Kelly Betts, who works on this show and BBC Introducing, this morning was talking about bread makers. She asked three questions. What does a bread maker do? What does a bread maker make? And then she said, what? So does the bread come out like a bread? Yes, the, the bread comes out like a bread. Imagine that. Your licence fee is paying an idiot's wages. Wow. <laughs> Nearly 6.15. Let's get the travel news now. Here's James Worley. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. And we'll start on the M1. Looking OK at the moment. Just keep an eye on the camera. Certainly getting busier now. Nine to eight, though, is uh, fairly heavy, but all moving, heading down towards the Hamilton. Northbound appears to be looking good and no problems reported on the M25, although expect delays through the roadworks between junctions 23 and 25. The A1M around to the A10 turn-off. Uh, problems on the West Coast main line. A tree's on the line up in the West Midlands between Sandwell, or should I say at Sandwell and Dudley. So 20-minute delays on version service. Services both northbound towards the northwest and Manchester. There could therefore be delays southbound from uh, the West Midlands through the three counties down towards Euston. No other problems to report on trains. London Midland back to a good service between St Albans Abbey and Watford Junction. I'm James Worley, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, James. Morning, it's 6.16. It's Friday, the 22nd of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Parents from Langley are fighting for medical treatment to extend their baby's life. The owners of a controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire say they'll shut it down. And in sport, the England under-21 side beat Romania 3-0 at Wickham last night. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks staying cloudy with some occasional light rain, sleet or snow. Both windy and cold. Maximum temperature is 4 degrees. Now, coming up, remember the huge fire at the Wood Recycling Centre in St Albans, just off sort of Junction 8 and 9 of the M1. It went on for months. Well, fire-obsessed reporter Justin Dealey is on his way to the site to find out what's happening now. Hopefully, we'll catch up with him before 6.30. If you want to give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's two days of live sport this weekend on Three Counties Sports. On Saturday from 2, we focus on League One and the conference. Effort from Lowe, what a goal! What a goal from Ryan Lowe! With live commentary on MK Dons away to Colchester and Luton versus Tamworth. Breaks the deadlock at last to Kennel of Road. Plus Sam Ashton into the corner of the net. Plus updates on Burton against Wickham and Bedford Blues at home to Doncaster. Three Counties Sports, Saturday from 2, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We'll speak to Justin Dealey after this, the Everly Brothers. I want you to tell me why. 
I like a bit of the Everly Brothers. I like bands where the singers hate each other. The Everlys hate each other, don't they? I've got that. I don't think I'm libeling Don and Phil by saying they hate each other. I think they famously do. What other bands hate each other? You've got the Everly Brothers. Simon and Garfunkel can't stand each other. It's true. They can't stand each other. Um, Who else? The Kinks Kinks Brothers hate each other. The Gallagher Brothers from Oasis hate each other. What bands hate each other? Justin, Mm. before we get to you on the the, the story we're going to get to you on, can you think about any other bands where they they famously hate each other? What about the Beatles, maybe? Lennon and McCartney for a while? They did towards the end, didn't they? They they weren't keen. They weren't keen. 08459 (laughs) 455 555. Bands that hate each other. I like it. It creates a bit of tension in the music. Bit of tension. Love now, it. listen, the reason we got Justin here is because the owners of a controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire say they're going to shut down operations. Follows a massive fire on the site last year, which caused weeks of disruption at the site close, close to the M1. Local residents have been complaining about it for years. Well, a BBC investigation found that the company in charge had flouted a series of safety regulations in the lead up to the blaze. The company's environmental permit was withdrawn. They had until today to decide whether to shut down or make an appeal to the Environment Agency. Well, our fire-starting correspondent, Justin Dealey, you've been following this story very closely, Justin. Remind us uh, of the background, please. Yeah, of course. uh, The fire began last November. I think everyone would would have seen this fire, particularly if you're travelling northbound on the M1. It's in St Albans. It's on Apspond Lane, but it's around Junction 8 of the M1. So it started in November. Uh, There was a giant pile of wood which caught fire here. Despite the best efforts of the firefighters and of course we spoke to them on a regular basis pretty much every day it burned here for three months only recently has that fire been completely put out incredibly this was the latest in in a line of fires here it's attracted lots of complaints from local people the environment agency they became involved as well their reports last year said that the waste at the site involves a serious risk of pollution They also went on to say the site had a serious history of deep-seated fires and smoke from a fire at this site here could cause a risk of serious harm to human health. Now, the owners of this site, Wood Recycling Services, they told the BBC at the time that the economic impact of the fire was considerable, as you would uh, appreciate and understand. The owners also said they've been operating the wood processing operation very successfully since 2008. But here comes the big buts here. When the BBC... Oh, I like big buts. Yes, uh, the BBC asked them why the firm and those linked to it appeared to have a history of safety warnings and previous fires the company declined to comment and still to this day the company involved wood recycling services have yet to appear on your program 
What's it like there this morning? What, what, what's what's going on? Well, the fire's completely out. It took a few months to put it out. But in saying that, Ian, when I arrived this morning, you could still smell the smoke. Even now, all these weeks, all these months on, as I look to my left-hand side, I can see the plants and the big piles of wood still there, around 25 to 30 foot. And people have been saying for years, this was a disaster waiting to happen. And, of course, that did happen back in November. Well, Justin, it's, uh, I- I'm sure you must be disappointed because um, they had a little burger van down there for a while, didn't they? You'd often <laughs> pop down there for your breakfast. They did. Uh, they did. That was all very, very nice, looking after the firefighters. But local residents here, they were affected badly. Well, it did this. have a huge impact, didn't it? I know people it were did. without water and roads were blocked. All kinds of things a were going on. A massive impact for them. Yes, obviously, the, the water supply in this area is not great. We all know that much. So a lot of people here, they lost their water uh, whilst the fire services tried to fight this fire. Also, their electricity supply as well. Um, some of the people locally here had to switch to a generator. They've complained for years about this site. They wanted it closed down. I spoke to local resident Marlene Pinkop. I say locally and she actually lives opposite this site. We spoke to her when the fire first started. Well Marlene, we're standing inside your home here. It's a beautiful home but it's in darkness. You've got absolutely no power. You phoned the Environment Agency time and time again to warn them this would happen. You weren't listened to, were you? No, we never are listened to in the local community because I know lots of us actually telephone and warn them of all the problems that are going to happen over the road, mm. but it's just taken no notice of. So you must be absolutely furious because you knew this was going to happen and nobody listened to you. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm absolutely raging, but you know the, it, it's a bit silly to be raging after the fact. Something should have been done about it before. Our listeners are saying it's not the first time. There was a major fire here some years ago which took six months to put out. So you are somebody who lives opposite. Is that the truth? That's absolutely the truth. Um, and in fact the fire wasn't put out it was the fire chief that told my ex-husband that it had to they had to wait and let it burn itself out there was nothing they could do your house is now on the market will you be pleased to see the back of this place uh not pleased to see the back of the house because i love the house but i'll be pleased to see the back of all the problems that they've caused me over the road over the last 13 years as i look to my right hand side you've got a beautiful garden it's um it's an incredible location this what was it like when you had family parties in that back garden it when it when i've got no problems from them over the road it's great but uh, the biggest problem we're getting at the moment is very fine sawdust in the air um because they don't water down the wood pile um so then family barbecues etc have to be cancelled okay and a price on your house now that this is big news today everyone's talking about this this big fire because you can see it for miles around on the m1 as well are you worried now that you won't be able to sell your home uh, yeah, that's a great worry. Um, but it's about time the Environment Agency actually, excuse the expression, pulled their finger out and did mm. something about it. I'm all in for recycling and looking after it, but you've got to look after your local people as well. Well, Justin, uh, I believe you're going to be speaking to uh, Marlene a bit later on. Is that right? Oh, Justin, where are you? There, sorry. Yeah, we'll be talking to Marlene live on the programme after seven. Interesting views from her there. She said, of course, that this was in the making for years, but also she has got her property on the market. Lovely property it is, but uh, can she sell it? Hopefully with the news for her today that this will be closing down, that's good news as far as she's concerned, and she might, in the near future, be able to sell that property, because clearly you can't sell your property if there's a massive fire opposite your home, can you? When you put it like that, Justin, oh, you can't, can you? Thank you very much for that. I'm laughing just because of uh, his matter-of-fact way of phrasing it. Of course you can't. It'll be uh, interesting to see what's happening uh, with Marley. Now, this morning we're talking uh, about uh, Grace Williams from Langley, who's uh, a four-month-old little girl who's got a condition called Edwards Syndrome. 
Well, Debbie is in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Ian. I believe you've got a connection with Edward Syndrome as well, haven't you? I have, yes. Um, a year ago, actually March the 19th, uh, we lost our granddaughter, Emily, who had the same um, Edward Syndrome, uh, trisomy 18. Um, so I, I really can understand how they're feeling at the moment. We had never even heard of the um, syndrome till Emily was born. And uh, as I say, we were, we were so shocked. Um, we had no idea. Katie went in at 38 weeks, to, um, rushed in. Um, the baby, we, t- we were told the baby was small. Um, and that, that was all. And uh, so she was born with this condition. What exactly is Edwards syndrome? Um, it's um, uh, well, it's life-threatening and um, it's not compatible to life, and it's um, exactly the same as um, Down syndrome. There's just one chromosome missing. Down syndrome's um, trisomy 21, and Edward syndrome is trisomy 18. Um, as I say, we were totally unaware of it. Um, totally shocked. She lived for 26 days. Um, as you can appreciate, it was devastating to the whole family. Um, but through that, um, we wanted to do something positive, and we we are in the process of setting up a charity called Emily Star, and it is to help people um, in any way whatsoever that have children with any life-threatening disease. Um, my daughter has done an amazing amazing job the last few months um we have she's on facebook we have a website and as i say we're setting up a charity we've got a a couple of um bits to sort out and then they're going to give us a charity number we've raised over ten thousand pounds um throughout the year so although it's very very sad i am so proud of what my daughter's Mm. done What's the website, Debbie? Do you know? Um, she, it's www.emilystar.co.uk and if you just put in Emily Star on Facebook, it comes up on there. I would Im- I- imagine that your daughter, that th- her setting up this charity has, has um, I guess, kind of helped her get through the last it year. It was. Um, first of all, we weren't quite sure whether, you know, it was a good thing for her to do because obviously... She was grieving at the time, where the whole family was grieving. Um, but it helped her so much. And the comments, um, the things that we've done, we've, we bought um, special equipment for children. Um, we we do, do boxes. They're called neonatal boxes. And um, when Katie was rushed into hospital, we found that she, she hadn't got... She wasn't equipped for anything for a small baby. Um, she had no clothes, um, she had no special dummies for premature babies, um, no tiny little nappies, uh, nothing. Um, so we actually, um, we've actually made these boxes. We do a pink one and a blue one, and we fill it with all things that we think people will need that have rushed in. Um, we did, um, I think, 36 the other week. We had, like, a workshop, mm. and we started off um, at the beginning... Uh, making the boxes then somebody put some clothes in somebody put some nappies in and we made 36 of these boxes up and then took them up to the neonatal unit and um people are absolutely thrilled and if if 
what we've done um, helps somebody um, in any way, then um, through losing Emily, in a, in a in a way, it makes it worthwhile what we're doing. Mm. You know, we've come to terms with, with without sounds really awful, but without that all happening, we wouldn't have done what we've done, and we wouldn't have ch- achieved um, what we've done in the last twelve months. And you know, it is, it is just amazing. Debbie, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm sorry to hear about uh, your loss. And, um, you know, well done you and your daughter for, for rallying together and um, trying to get some kind of positive thing out of a, a terrible tragedy. Debbie Milton Keynes, thank you very much indeed. All right, 6.31. Let's go and get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's moving nicely on most of the major routes through the three counties so far today. Northbound, the M1 does have the roadworks from Junction 14 at Milton Keynes to 15 at Northampton, with a 50 mile an hour speed restriction through there, but traffic's moving okay. In Beaconsfield, the A40 eastbound, there are some temporary traffic lights up, roadworks between Pothill Lane and the A355. It's disruption on the trains, really, that's causing problems so far this morning. Chilton are affected by delays of up to half an hour between Stratford-upon-Avon and Leamington Spa. They've got a problem with lines side equipment at Hatton. That could affect some London Midland routes through that area as well. Disruption expected to continue for another hour or so. And the bigger problem, Virgin trains delayed by up to 20 minutes from Wolverhampton to Birmingham New Street because of an earlier fallen tree on the line at Sandwell and Dudley. The tree's been moved, but residual delays to services through that area. And looking at the departure boards at Milton Keynes, there are some late runners and cancellations as a result. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. 6.32, let's get the latest news and sport now. Here's Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Parents from Langley are fighting for medical treatment to extend their baby's life. A four-month-old Grace has serious heart problems. Elsewhere, a controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire, as we've been hearing, is set to shut down following a fire last year. A new university is coming to Milton Keynes. It's a joint collaboration between the University of Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes Council. And residents in some villages around Stevenage fear their communities may be swallowed up if extension plans for the area get approved. That's the news. Now let's turn to all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with cricket, then England have struggled on the opening day of the final test against New Zealand in Auckland. Alistair Cook won the toss and put the home side into bats and they closed on 250 for one. Meanwhile, the England under-21 side had another comfortable victory in Buckinghamshire last night. They beat Romania 3-0 at Wickham. And elsewhere, the England senior team played tonight against San Marino. Locally, Luton Town manager John Still will meet Hatter's managing director Gary Sweet today. They'll be talking about players who aren't needed next season. Players are going to go eventually and I'm in the process now of talking to, to players. I'll be having a meeting with Gary Sweet. Once you make your mind up, I think it's better to do it, you know, than let it drift. So yeah, that'll be part of the meeting, yeah. And Luton are actually at home to Tamworth tomorrow. Elsewhere, NK Dons are away at Colchester in League One. The Dons will be without defender Anthony Kay, though. He's now suspended for three games. Boss Carl Robinson, who could only put four substitutes on the bench for the game against Crewe midweek, is still struggling with injury issues. Dave Martin, not trained today. Dean Lewinson's out. Shawnee Williams has got a personal thing. He's had to fly back to Ireland. Uh, Stephen Gleeson, Dean Bold is not trained today. 
Bamford has done half a session today. Lou Chadwick's not trained today. Daniel Powell's not trained today. And Ryan Lowe has not been in today. Finally, Milton Keynes Red Bull's Mark Webber finished fastest after first practice for the Malaysian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton came ninth, Jensen Button 11th. The second session is about to get underway. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Lots on the show this morning. We're ending the show with a banjo. Getting a banjo in. Oh, yes. Very excited. Other things coming up, though, between now and seven. Thousands of homes could be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030. Residents fear their villages could be swallowed up, and they'll be telling us why they're so worried. And it's Friday. That means only one thing. I get to speak to my adopted nanny, Nanny Eileen. She'll be reviewing a song from our BBC introducing uh, programme, and this week it's Let's Talk by Tides from Hertfordshire. Huh? That'll get you listening, won't it? I do hope it's a bit more upbeat than the last few weeks. I'm worried we're going to push Nanny Eileen over the edge. It'll be a terrible tragedy. Mr. Know it all, well, you think you know it all, but you don't know a thing at all, ain't it? And it's something, y'all, when somebody tells you something about you, think that they know you more than you do, so you take it down another pill to swallow. Clarkson, Mr. Know-It-All. That's why I'm leaving you lonely. Now, 
Residents in some villages around Stevenage fear that their communities could be swallowed up if expansion plans for the area get approved. It's possible that up to 10,700 homes could be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030, with public consultation currently taking place over seven large sites. Well, we sent our reporter Ewan Duncan to visit Gravely to the north of Stevenage to find out what could happen on nearby farmland. My name is John O'Donnell Watts. I live in Gravely. I am standing on the edge of a field. It's mostly full of harrowed earth at the moment, but this field is right on the edge of the village where I live. And the key to this is the field beyond the one immediately in front of us, where in the long term there could be some housing. That's right. They're currently consulting on developing the area north of Stevenage. They're looking on essentially expanding Stevenage out towards Gravely. Local residents are worried that they're simply going to fill in the gap. Essentially, we are going to become part of Stevenage. This area is a very important area for wildlife. We have uh, quite a few red-listed bird species. We've got the skylarks, grey partridge, I've seen red kite here, all sorts of things. I know quite a bit about this. I did a BSc in zoology. And as we've mentioned, there are a lot of sites affected. Surely they won't develop them all, so there must be some chance that you might escape. We might escape, but that would mean we'd just be exporting our problem onto someone else, just like they appear to be doing to us. My concern is that once one site is developed, they'll move on and do another one, and another one, and another one, until eventually they'll have simply filled in the gap between Stevenage, Hitchin, Letchworth and Baldock into one large town. What about Gravely itself? Describe the village to me. Gravely is a small place on the old Great North Road, with a distinct sense of identity, two pubs, and a small community of people who I think they're about 50% people who've lived there for years and 50% incomers. There's a local story, I can't tell you how true it is, that Ashwell Common used to be a Roman road. We know that for a fact. And there's a local story that Boudicca ambushed a Roman legion going along there at some point. We don't know exactly where. It may have been here, may have been somewhere else. What we do know is that Gravely's been there at least as long as that. There have been farms on this site since Roman times. Well, that's John O'Donnell Watts from Gravely talking to our reporter Ewan Duncan yesterday, not from 1953. We can talk now to Tim Moody, who's from nearby Western and chairs the parish council there. Morning, Tim. Good morning, Ian. Tim, Gravely's just north of Stevenage, Western a little further away and to the northeast of the town, are yep. both under threat of being absorbed into Stevenage. Yes, it is, um, and it's a considerable worry. Why, why are you concerned about it, Tim? Well, um, to step back slightly, um, the plans that were put out by North Hearts District Council um, are sort of saying they need 10,700 homes. For a start, um, our parish council have done quite an analysis of this figure, and we don't think that is actually a quite figure, so we're actually challenging that as the basis, uh, or the first basis of our objections to the plan, also about the siting. Um, our view is that uh, 7,700 houses for North Hearts is, is appropriate, um, because this is enough to, to cater for all the growth of people in North Hearts, and it's in proportion to the population increase of the UK, which is is estimated to be about 15% um, between now and 2033. Um, our plan of 7,700 houses is about 15% growth in North Hart. Where would those, where would those houses, the 7,000-odd houses, go? Where would you have them built? We would like um, the council to look at um, part two of their proposals, which are, I think, quite sound in many ways. Um, they're spreading... Um, quite a lot of their houses, something in the region of uh, potentially uh, 5,000 across various towns and villages, filling in brownfield sites, building on the edges of villages. Um, And we believe, and 
well, we would um, welcome a, a modest development of housing within Weston because we believe it helps to maintain local amenities, the village shop, the village pub, um, transport services. It supports local schools. So we believe that part of the North Hearts plan is very sound. How um, many of those houses would you welcome in, uh, in Weston? Um, we feel that we could probably take in Weston something in the region of 20 houses or so. I mean, a, a small... A 20? Small but, you know, if this, uh, you know, the same sort of de- uh, proportion of developments split across all the communities in North Hearts. So where are the, where, in, your, in your plan, where would the other 7,280 houses go? Um, in our plan, we've, we've come to the conclusion that... Let me just um, get the figures here. We think that... Uh, well, Nowhere near of, you. Of, of the, well, of the 7,000... Uh, 700 houses, 1,700 are already allocated, so right. that they can be taken out of the plan. These 20, when, when, whether it's 10,000 odd or, or, or 7,000 odd, just taking 20 on board, Tim, doesn't sound no. very noble. What about the, the, the young people that are growing up in villages? Where are they going to go? They're going to be forced to leave the villages, aren't they? They'll, the villages will end up becoming full of, of retired old people. No, conversely, that is what, what our argument is, that we believe that there should be um, development in all But, all but the 20, in 20 houses in, in Western, that's not going to sustain young people they are just going to be full of the, the people that, that live there and everyone else will have to move out well you could you could make the same argument for anything but you know 20 houses on, on a on a village with about 300 is you know it's not a huge number but if that's multiplied across in proportion to yes. all the communities in north heart it, it, it's a significant number what's the for strength instance, of feeling what's the strength of feeling in, in western tim the strength of feeling is very strongly that um the La- huge development to the northeast, particularly of Stevenage, is is unsustainable um, and out of place. Um, yeah, what they're talking about is is uh, four thousand four hundred houses onto the northeast of Stevenage. Now, I don't believe that is in the right place. I don't believe that serves the needs of North Hearts residents as well. That primarily is a way of achieving a housing plan. Um, to the benefit of, of Stevenage. Um, if that's the case, and Stevenage has got um, a lot of amenities and a lot of services and an infrastructure that can be used, and that, I agree, makes housing cheaper to build, then we believe there are better sites, um, for instance, to the west of Stevenage, which is actually much more closely located to Stevenage Town Centre. So you're, in, you're, you're to the northeast. you want these, these new places built to the west, so basically as far away as possible? No, that's not. You're giving an impression. We just don't want the houses. We we want houses. Um, we don't believe that. Take take an example. Very quickly, if, if you would, Tim. So we're running out of time. Yeah, surely. Thank if you. if they built um, on their what they call non-strategic sites, um, about five thousand houses. That would be. That would only leave uh, um, about a thousand houses to be built onto these very controversial, huge sites. So it would probably mean. Um, only a few hundred houses, you know, maybe three, four hundred houses to the west of Stevenage, three or four hundred houses, you know, to the north of Letchworth. Okay, Tim, sorry to cut you short. We we, we are running out of time. I hope you feel you uh, got your your message across, and I can see you have come up... uh and thought up alternative plans. Well, what do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you live in one of these villages that, that is potentially going to be absorbed into a larger town like Stevenage, does it worry you? Or do you see that actually villages do need to build more than 20 houses because all the young people are going to be forced 
to leave that village. 08459 455 555. 6.46 Travel News Now. Here's Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roads are looking fine. We've got no delays out there as yet. This morning, speed sensors aren't picking up anything strange or exciting. The M25's moving okay, even through the roadworks. And looking at the major routes going north and south to and from London, you've got no delays yet on the A1M, the A10 or the M1. And the M40's looking clear as well. On the trains, though, Chilton running with disruption between Stratford-upon-Avon and Leamington Spa. So if you're heading that way, delays of up to half an hour and some cancellations to be expected. For Virgin trains, we've got delays of up to 20 minutes Wolverhampton to Birmingham New Street. They had a tree on the line earlier between Sandwell and Dudley. The tree's gone, but residual delays remain, and it's definitely affecting services through Milton Keynes. And now first Capital Connect trains, if you're heading down toward London with them, they will not be stopping at Old Street Station, because as it stands, the underground station is closed because of a staff shortage. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Morning, it's 6.47. It's Friday the 22nd of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Parents from Langley are struggling to get treatment to extend the life of their baby who has serious heart problems. A controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire is set to shut down following a fire last year. And in sport, the England under-21 side beat Romania 3-0 at Wickham last night. In your face! Coming up before seven, it's Friday. It can only mean one thing. I get to speak to my adopted nanny Eileen. She's going to be reviewing a song uh, from the BBC Introducing show. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. I say good morning, it's not actually a great morning out there, is it? There's a very strong easterly breeze and we're going to see outbreaks of rain that could turn a bit sleety through the course of the day as well. So this sets us up for the rest of the day. It's going to continue much in the same vein. We'll continue to see those outbreaks of rain. There will be some drier spells around at times, um, possibly um, through the middle part of the morning, but then the rain will pick up again and turn heavier and more persistent, I think, as we head into tonight's rush hour. The Temperatures today, we're looking no higher than around 3 or maybe 4 degrees Celsius in Luton, in Stevenage and in High Wycombe as well. Just 3 degrees Celsius here. It's barely getting out of the 30s in Fahrenheit. It's actually going to feel colder than that as well because of the easterly winds. Now, in terms of snow, it is likely that we'll see a bit of sleet, a bit of wet snow over the Chilterns through this morning. Perhaps when the uh, when the rain turns heavier again into um, tonight's rush hour. And then tonight, um, it's likely that we are going to see a good few centimetres or so fall just about anywhere across the three counties. We're really in the firing line for this tonight, really through the early hours of tomorrow morning and into tomorrow itself too. So if you do have plans to be out and about late tonight, then you might well want to bear in mind that we are going to see a little bit of snow just about anywhere, even down to the lower levels. Tonight, temperatures will get to freezing, perhaps just a touch beyond, of course, where we do get the snow. And then for tomorrow, watch out for a bit of snow just about anywhere through the course of the morning eventually dying out into the afternoon so it will be a dry end to the day we've still got that bitter easterly breeze it's going to blow the snow around blizzard like conditions i suspect over the tops of the hills it's not good news is it and then sunday is looking dry if it's not good news elizabeth why are you laughing about it uh because you've got to laugh because if you don't laugh then you cry it's spring (laughs) thank you very much she makes an excellent point 
Weekends on BBC Three Counties Radio. Chet and Partick. For me, Sunday evenings are a chance to sit back, relax and get your head together for the week ahead. Chet and Partick. There's plenty of music to help you reflect, relax or revive yourself after a long weekend and plenty of talking points with news, entertainment and lots of live guests in the studio. Every Sunday night from six. I like hearing stories. It's your experiences that really make this station what it is. Chet and Partick. Every Sunday night from six on bbc three counties radio so if you're in a band in beds hearts and bucks and you think hey we, we make songs well, radio radio does songs we make songs why don't we get our song on the radio well you possibly could do if you go to bbc.co.uk forward slash introducing upload your track yeah i know all the internet speak uh, and if it's good enough or let's be honest even if it's not that good sometimes sometimes uh, it could get played on bbc introducing which goes out on bbc three counties on saturday nights even better than that, it might get played on this show and reviewed by none other than my adopted nanny, Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Ian. You're all a little giggle in your voice today. Well, you've got to be cheerful on a morning like this, haven't you? When, when is when is spring going to start, Nanny Eileen? I don't know. Officially, it started yesterday, but nature doesn't seem to know about that. We need. Can, can you not, with your drumming circle, can't you all kind of <laughs> drum to, to Mother Nature and, and get some sunshine for us? What? Lovely idea. Ooh, I think you should have a go. Oh, yes, yes. What, what have you been up to this week, Nanny Eileen? I'm gonna, let me guess. You've um, been walking the greyhounds and drinking beer. Yes, yeah. I have yesterday. So. And we actually saw the sun oh. for about five minutes at Royston. It was brilliant. Look at you. Um, we had a, and also we saw it on Tuesday when we went to Hitching collecting for the Greyhound Rescue West of England. You had, didn't last weekend you have a little um, sort of rummage sale, a jumble sale? Oh, we had sale. a lovely jumble sale at Sandridge and actually uh, far more people there than we expected oh. considering the weather was so bad. Well, it's because you're a celebrity now, Nanny Eileen. <laughs> oh, did you, did you ra- how much money do you raise, do you know? Um, I do, but I can't remember offhand. I've written okay. it down. So but are, are, you, are you happy with the outcome? Oh, very, yes, very. Excellent stuff. Very. Do you have a, but, but, a political reporter, Paul Scoynes, who works on this station, he texted me yesterday saying he was in a shop and someone um, recognised him by his rather dull, monotone voice. And I was wondering uh, if you'd been recognised, Nanny Eileen. I have, yes. <gasps> have you? Y- yes. When? Yes. Um, yeah, actually by somebody that I know at the Jumble sale. Oh, hang on. If someone knows you... <laughs> no, no, no. They didn't know... They, they oh. didn't connect... They didn't realise, you know, that I oh. was that person. Oh, how exciting. said... That was you on radio the other morning, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's yeah. nice. A little bit of celebrity. People, your friends, your friends are listening and going, oh, "Hang on a minute, I saw Eileen from down the road. I know her." <laughs> Have you got any plans for this weekend, Nanny Eileen? With this weather, no. no. Apart from going out, um, getting food for the cats today, getting the store in. I think I'm going to hibernate this weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's going to be awful this weekend. Yeah, never mind. We are getting. Um, uh, we've been in our new house. I guess a month now. We're finally, on Thursday of next week, getting a cat flap installed. Oh, brilliant. And how's Velvet? Velvet is fine. Oh, she, good. She's very, very fine. We we need the cat flap, though, because the, the we have her litter tray yes. in the bathroom. Yes. And it's it, it's get, getting a little bit stinky in yes. there now, really. Yes. So um, she's looking forward to going out. She keeps looking at, out of the window and kind of... Well, I bet she's not looking forward to going no. out on a day like this. No, she'll <laughs> wait for it to be a bit sunny. Now, listen, I, I have in- insisted... I've, I've, last week, Nanny Island, we've been asking for an upbeat pop song for you. Yes. Last week we didn't get one. It was a beautiful song. It was beautiful, but it was a little bit depressing. No. So after after last week's show, yes. I stormed 
up to the office upstairs. <laughs> I kicked a chair. I can't imagine No, that. I did. I kicked a chair. <laughs> uh, it, it bumped into Kelly Betts quite severely. She is considering legal action. <laughs> and I demanded we have an upbeat pop song for today for you. Are you ready to have a listen? I am. Okay, it's called so. It's called Let's Talk. Yes. It's by Tides, and yes. they're from Hertfordshire. Yes. And if this doesn't put a smile on our face, yes. then I'm going to fire everybody that works on this show. <laughs> Shall we have a listen? Right. Get your opinion after this. <laughs> Tides from Hertfordshire. Well, Nanny Eileen, I, I think we delivered, didn't I we? I just love it. Wasn't that fantastic? Oh, I've been standing here dancing to that. Mm, I've been playing the drums, playing the air drums to that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Did, how did it make you feel, Nanny Eileen? Happy. Yeah. It really, that's the sort that gives you real upbeat, lifts the spirit, especially on a morning like this. That's exactly what you need, is, it, is a very, they, they sound like happy young men. They did. 
didn't they? Good for them. Yes, I say so. Yes. Nanny Eileen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You're one of the highlights of the, of the week for me. Thank you so much for coming on. Bless you so much. Keep warm. Have a nice weekend. We'll speak next week. Thank you. Take bye. care, my dear. Bye-bye. There we go. Well, I think I think we did it. Kelly Betts, who is uh, produces BBC Introducing and, and sorts out the tracks of this show, she, she can keep her job another week. We wanted upbeat. We wanted something a little bit light and a bit poppy. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that quite a lot. I was playing the air drums. Excellent work there. That was uh, Let's Talk by Tides from Hertfordshire. And if you're in a band and uh, you want to um, uh, get your songs on BBC Three Counties, bbc.co.uk forward slash introducing uh, is the place to go. And if you want more from uh, Tides, www.tidesofficial.bandcamp.com is the place to go. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. And Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, in. Looking at the M25, starting to slow in some of the usual places. We've got heavy traffic approaching the roadworks anti clockwise, so that's Junction 25 at Enfield. The works then run from Junction 25 to 23 in both directions. Further round anti clockwise, it's slowing at Junction 20 for the A41, the King's Langley turning. A41 itself, though, doing all right so far. Trains, we've got a little bit of disruption. If you're heading down to London with First Capital Connect, trains will not be calling at Old Street Station. That's because the Underground Station isn't open yet because of a staff shortage. Virgin Trains, if you're heading for Milton Keynes, a few delays on the departure boards there, especially heading for Euston. It's 20 minutes of delays caused by a fallen tree earlier this morning between Sandwell and Dudley in the West Midlands. And then Chilton, they have delays of up to 10 minutes, so thankfully delays are down between Stratford-upon-Avon and Leamington Spa because of problems with line Inside equipment. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up after seven, the incredible story uh, about a family who are told that the condition their little girl had was incompatible with life. Beds, hearts, and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock. I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, Buckinghamshire parents fight for their baby to stay alive. Residents near Stevenage angry about merger plans. And MK Red Bull start well in Malaysia. BBC Three Counties Radio. The parents of a baby who was given just weeks to live when she was born are now fighting for medical treatment to extend her life. Grace Williams from Langley on the Buckinghamshire-Berkshire border has a rare genetic disorder, which means she has serious heart problems. Well, Sally Flatto-Taylor is a counsellor with the Maypole project which counsels families it's incredibly difficult acceptance is a big word they can accept on different levels but i think it's about hope you know maintaining their hope um but keeping a tinge of reality in there keeping them making sure the communication between the team and the family runs smoothly Stay listening as Ian Lee will be speaking to Grace's mum shortly. In other news, the owners of a controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire say they'll shut it down. There was a massive fire there last year which caused weeks of disruption near to the M1. Local residents, though, had always been complaining about it for years. A BBC investigation found that the company in charge had flouted a series of safety regulations in the lead-up to the blaze. An expert who led a government commission review of childcare in England has attacked coalition plans to allow nursery workers to look after more babies and toddlers. Professor Cathy Nutt-Brown says the measures, which are due to come into force this autumn, will lead to young children missing out on the attention they need. Ministers say only high-quality nurseries will be allowed to look after more children and that staff will be better qualified. 
Locally, residents in some villages around Stevenage fear their communities may be swallowed up if expansion plans for the area get approved. It's thought up to 10,700 homes will be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030. Public consultation currently taking over seven large sites. John O'Donnell-Watts from Gravely says it's little consolation if the planners opt to develop elsewhere in the locality. We might escape, but that would mean we'd just be exporting our problem onto someone else, just like they appear to be doing to us. My concern is that once one site is developed they'll move on and do another one and another one and another one until eventually they'll have simply filled in the gap between Stevenage, Hitchin, Letchworth and Baldock into one large town. A man's due before Milton Keynes magistrates today charged with seven robbery and theft related crimes. It's alleged 34-year-old Christopher Jones of No Fixed Abode carried out most of the offences this month at various supermarkets across the city. They included Tesco Express in Greenleys, Bargain Booze in Bletchley, Asda in Wolverhampton and Budgeons in Stony Stratford. Sport now and F1 news. Milton Keynes Red Bull's Mark Webber finished fastest after first practice for the Malaysian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton came in ninth with Jensen Button 11th and the second session's getting underway now. Weather then, light rain and sleet possibly turning to the white stuff as well on the way. Overnight, many parts of Britain have already been hit by heavy rain, snow and strong winds. So we're looking at temperatures of 4 degrees Celsius, 39 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. You hesitated because I opened the microphone too early. Sorry? Did you, you want to say something? Are you crying? No. No, I just opened it too early. I have I have nothing to say, so this banter oh. is irrelevant. So I guess we should probably just Let's move get on. on, shall we? All right, thanks very much. Thanks. A little bit awkward, wasn't it? Good morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past seven. It's Friday. If you've just woken up, I'll tell you now, it's flipping miserable out there. It might even be snowing where you are. Can you imagine that? It's nearly April, and we're still talking about snow. I'm a huge fan of snow, but even I'm thinking, come on, snow, jog on. Lots coming up between now and 8 o'clock, including... The parents of a Bucks baby are fighting to save her life. The medical profession describe her condition as incompatible with life. Well, her mum's going to be joining me in the studio to tell us her story. And then a big story we've been following on this programme for months, the huge blaze at a wood recycling centre in St Albans. Justin is going to be back at the site to find out what impact the fire has had on residents living there. And thousands of homes could be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030. Residents in Gravely fear their village could be swallowed up. They only want 20 new properties there. Is it important to keep villages as they are, or should we be expanding them for future generations? Lots of ways to get in touch. You can go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text, 3CR, or all of the phone lines are free, so you can give me a call now if you want, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the parents of a baby who was given just weeks to live when she was born are fighting to get treatment which they believe will extend her life. Grace Williams from Langley on the Bucks-Berkshire border has Edwards syndrome. It's a rare genetic condition which includes serious heart problems. The bleak way the medical profession describe her condition is that it is, quote, incompatible with life. Her parents are challenging that, and Grace is now nearly four months old. Her mother, Laura Blount, is with me this morning. Morning, Laura. Morning. Thank you for coming in. When did you find out that Grace had this condition? 
Uh, we found out five days after she was born um, that she had Edward syndrome. Um, I always thought throughout my pregnancy that I was measuring very small. Um, at 38 weeks, I saw my midwife, um, and at 39 weeks, I was sent for a growth scan mm. uh, where they said to me that she was on the small side. So I was thinking sort of five, six pounds. Um, little did I know that she was going to be three pound three. Wow. So, yeah, she was very small, very frail. Um, Five days later, we found out that she had Edward syndrome. We were told that she had two weeks to live, um, and the best advice they could give us was to put her into a hospice and enjoy what time we had with her. So, needless to say, there's... 96% 96% of children born with Edwards syndrome um, don't make it through um, through the pregnancy. So the fact that Grace was here and she was with us mm. was sort of testament to her that she was a little fighter. So uh, my job now is to fight for her and give her a platform for her to do so. How do you make the transition of um, <clears throat> being all excited and preparing for a new baby and, and all of the excitement that comes with that by and all of the stuff to then being told... Well, actually, she's, she's probably only going to have a couple of weeks. How does your head cope with that? Um, it, well, it doesn't. I mean, I was devastated, both me and her father were. Um, but here was this little girl. Um, she was here fighting for us, um, and I had to be strong for her. Uh, we both did. And um, her father said to me, look, she's here and being strong for us. We have to stay strong for her. So we took each day as it came. Um, and with each day, she was still here, still showing signs of improvement, which we were told was never going to happen. Um, and 18 weeks later, I mean, it was 18 weeks to the day today that she was born, and she's, she's still here with us. So that's, that's how we get through it each day. Is, I mean, Grace is my hero. Mm. She's um, shown such strength of character that you have no option but to fight for her and to, to stay strong. We do enjoy every day with her, but... What I'm struggling with is the fight to get her treated because she has this label of trisomy 18. Trisomy 18. So to, to, to explain exactly what that means. Trisomy 18 is the um, presence of an extra 18 chromosome, similar to Down syndrome, uh, which is the presence of an extra 21 chromosome. Trisomy 18 is, the, is an extra 18 chromosome, which there are lots of trisomies. Mm. Um, what, uh, trisomy 18 is, is a close relation to trisomy 13 as well. Um, and you get different levels of um, trisomy 18. You can have um, mosaic trisomy 18, which is half an 18 chromosome, but Grace has full Edward syndrome, which is a f- the presence of a full 18 chromosome, which is what the medical profession term as more lethal. So what treatment would you like to see Grace receive? What, what I'm fighting for is, is Grace has what they call um, a VSD, which is, uh, in layman's terms, a, a big hole in her heart. Um, the spectrum to, uh, that Edward's babies have is so wide-ranging and there is not an awful lot known about it because the mortality rate of Edward's babies is so high. Um, what they don't have is any evidence um, to suggest that these children don't have any quality of life. Um, so physically, there's nothing else wrong with Grace apart from the fact that she has this hole in her heart and I know that if she were operated on she would have a greater chance of life. And, and what exactly is the operation that you would like to see done? How, what can they do to, to, to repair they can, the heart? They can close the hole in her heart. Right. Um, 
they don't want to because of the label that she's got because of this diagnosis that she's got um, and they're also worried because she is quite frail mm. I mean no mother wants to put their child through open heart surgery you know that's the last thing they want but if it gives Grace a greater chance of survival then that's what I want for her you're right an 18 week baby the, the, the 18 week old baby the the physical trauma of having that kind of operation is incredible but i'm guessing you're desperate yeah yeah desperate is the word for it um what's it's it's been proven in other countries i mean they operate in america they operate in europe um so i'm just having difficulty understanding why why they won't operate here i mean what i want them to do is look at grace based on our individual merits um and look at her for for grace as opposed to looking at her at this as this diagnosis um what Great Ormond Street have done very kindly is given me the opportunity to go and uh, speak up on behalf of Grace and, and tell them everything that Grace has accomplished and things that they told me that she wouldn't. I mean, they told me she wasn't going to put on any weight and she's now £5.11 from the £3.3 that she was. Um, they've also told me that she wouldn't smile, she wouldn't hold up her own head. Um, she, I mean, she's doing all these things and mm. she's accomplishing all these things day by day. So you have to go to Great Ormond Street and kind of sell grace to well them. yeah i mean i think it's it's fear of the unknown really for them i mean because they've they it's their evidence is, is biased in in the sense that it's it's based on children that have never been given the chance to survive um so what i would like is is grace to be the first and then to to just look into the research the up-to-date research that they have on trisomy 18 and look at the doctors and surgeons in america and in europe that do operate on these children um and look at the the children that are surviving because um f- from what they told me that grace was only going to survive two weeks there are people in the states that have got tri- full trisomy 18 same as grace that are in their f- early 40s mm. um yes they they do face more challenges than than everybody else but that gives them no less of a right to life than anybody else have you looked into getting this done privately? Is that a possibility? We have looked into getting it done privately. Um, what we've been told is that um, because the private sector doctors are the same as the NHS doctors, that we would probably get the same answer mm. from them. So it's we're sort of scouring the country to find surgeons that would be willing just to look at Grace. I'm not asking them to you know, operate there and then. What I want them to do is to, to look at Grace's condition and say whether or not it would be appropriate for heart surgery. But the trouble I'm having is for them to just initially look at her in the first place. Mm. And that's my battle at the minute. If this operation was done, do you, you genuinely believe that the, it, it would prolong her life? I do, yeah. yes. because Because Grace... Um, we were told by a clinical geneticist that she has a milder form of Edwards um, and that Grace's heart is her only real issue. Um, yes, I do want them to look into operating on her. Um, mentally speaking, will she face more challenges than than most? Probably she will, but they've got no evidence of that. You know, she's will, will she be dependent? Probably, but she's proven them all wrong so far, mm. so give her the chance to prove you wrong again. Because What support? have you got as a mum have, have you got friends or are you seeing counselling or have you got anything around you to help you through I this I have an amazing family and a group of friends and we've set up a Facebook page for Grace we've set up a Twitter page for her the support that is out there for Grace is overwhelming we get things delivered in the post on a daily basis from perfect strangers we've, we've got people running marathons for us doing sponsored walks for us the the community spirit that Grace has brought about is something that I've never experienced and I'm so proud of her for, mm. for doing that and, and showing us the kindness and generosity that people are capable of. And describe Grace. What, what's she like? Oh, she's beautiful. 
she's um she, she has her moments and she, she knows what she likes and what she doesn't she uh she definitely uh likes her massages a, a trait that she's definitely picked up from me there um but yeah she's a she's her own person she's um and she she's just doing so well and i'm so proud mm. of her the the love that i've got for her is something that i've never experienced and i didn't know that i was capable of so you know, as as I said before, you know, the first instinct of a mother is to protect your child, and, and that's what I'm doing for her. And if she's willing to be here and fight for us, and then I owe her that to fight for her. What's next? What, what's the next step? Well, Great Ormond Street have very kindly um, said that what they will do is they will put a team together, um, a team of cardiac specialists, to further research trisomy 18 and the implications of cardiac surgery. Um, they've given me their word that they will do that and they've mm. also given me their word that they will look at um, Grace based as based on her as an individual um, which is all I can ask for oh. I'm not you know, demanding that they operate on her what I am asking is that you give her a fair chance of life Listen, I've had dealings with Great Ormond Street. It, it, it's an amazing place, and if they say they're going to look into something, then uh, you know you can pretty much trust that they're going to they're going to do, do their best. Yeah, I do really appreciate that. And what I want to do is sort of like raise a bit more awareness of tries me eighteen, and and that you know these children are compatible with life. They're they're out there, and there's there's living proof of that. And what I want for other mothers to know is that you know you're not on your own and these mm. children are, are capable of the more than you give them credit for thank you so much for coming in no, uh, uh, for uh, you know it, I, as, as a dad it's just when you hear things like this it's just uh, incredible as a parent you do everything you can for your kids to to help them you Absolutely. know to help them so thank you so much for coming in i wish you the best of luck i hope thank everything works much. out you know to a positive conclusion thank you very much indeed uh, that's uh, laura blount who's uh, grace's mum oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. right Let's keep our fingers crossed that we can go to Adam Glynn and get the travel. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's slow on the M25. Heavy traffic at Junction 25 for Enfield and then slowing up from the M1 around to the A41, 21 to 20 on the anti-clockwise side as well. That aside, roads are looking good on the trains. First Capital Connect will now be stopping as normal at Old Street after the underground station was closed earlier. It's all now open again. Virgin have delays of up to 20 minutes, though. An earlier fallen tree on the line between Sandwell and Dudley. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, 7.16, it's uh, Friday the 22nd of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Doctors say a baby's condition is incompatible with life, but her parents from Langley are fighting to keep her alive. A controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire is set to shut down following a fire last year. And in sport, Milton Keynes' Red Bull's Mark Webber finished fastest at the Malaysian Grand Prix in the first practice. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks staying cloudy with some occasional light rain, sleet or snow, both windy and cold. Maximum temperature is four degrees. Coming up, it's been a big story that we've been following on this programme. The huge blaze at a wood recycling centre in St Albans. It went on for months. Well, Justin Dealey is back at the site before 7.30. We're going to find out what impact the fire has had on residents living near there. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Nick Coffer, across beds, hearts and bucks. This afternoon, my tour of beds, hearts and bucks continues live from the Star and Garter in Silso. Nick Coffer. I'll be learning about the art of bell ringing with the Guild of Bell Ringers, meeting loads of local personalities and bringing you live music. Weekdays from 12. Plus, I'll be joining Fibs and Fables, a group of storytellers who enjoy nothing more than biscuits, open fires and good books. Nick Coffer. Live from the Star and Garter in Silso this afternoon from midday. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, see, what a brave woman just saying, uh, Laura Blount there, who's uh, Grace's mum. What an incredible story. And, um, you know, I wish them the very best of luck and hope for the best outcome possible. Now, the owners of a controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire say they will shut down operations. Follows a massive fire on the site last year, which caused weeks of disruption at the site close to the M1, just by Junction 8, I think it was. I used to drive past it every morning and you, you would see it ablaze. Well, local residents have been complaining about it for years. A BBC investigation found that the company in charge had flouted a series of safety regulations in the lead-up to the blaze. The company's environmental permit was withdrawn, and they had until today to decide whether to shut it down or make an appeal. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been following this story very closely. Justin, just for those who, who maybe don't quite remember this, give us a little background to this story, please. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fire began last November in a, a giant pile of wood. Now, despite the best efforts of the firefighters, and of course we spoke to them pretty much every day on your programme, it burned for three months, and incredibly, only recently has that fire been completely put out. This was the latest in a line of fires here, which attracted complaints from lots of local people. The Environment Agency, they got in Involved as well. Their reports last year, Ian, said that the waste at the site involves a serious risk of pollution. They also went on to say that the site had a history of deep-seated fires and also smoke from a fire at the site could cause a risk of serious harm to human health. Now, the owners of this site, Wood Recycling Services, they told the BBC that the economic impact of the fire was considerable. The owners said they'd been operating this wood processing operation very significantly successfully since 2008 but when the BBC asked why the firm and those linked to it appeared to have a history of safety warnings and previous fires the company declined to comment and still to this day all these weeks all these months on the company wood recycling services have yet to appear on your program what's it like there this morning Justin we well, incredibly you can still smell the fire wow I mean I've driven past it recently it may be the wind this morning but certainly this morning when I arrived here just after six o'clock it's uh, just by Junction 8 of the motorway. It's Abspon Lane in St Albans. You could clearly smell the fire. Sorry, did you say you've got wind this morning? <laughs> I, I missed that. Uh, th- that's every day. It must don't. be the wind. Okay, sorry, uh, sorry. Not my wind, but certainly I could still smell uh, the smoke this morning. Uh, it's by Junction 8. And anybody driving past it, again, would see those piles of wood. Huge, huge piles of wood just sitting there about 25 to 30 foot high. The thing is, you drive past it on the M1 when it was, it was ablaze. You think, oh, that's uh, inconvenient. Convenient. That's a pain in the backside. But for those people who live near it, and there are people that live near it, 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 it must have been a nightmare. Yeah, the locals were initially affected by the drop in water supplies. Uh, the emergency services were using their water to fight the fire. Then we heard all sorts of stories about electricity supplies as well, switching to generators. Residents here, Ian, have been complaining about this site for years and years. One of them is with me live in our radio car. That's Marlene Pincott. Marlene, welcome to the programme. 
You're live across Bedsarts and Bucks. You live opposite this site. Um, what's your reaction to the news that this site will be closing down? Obviously, we are uh, all our residents are totally over the moon that the site has agreed to shut down. It's what we've been campaigning for for years. I mentioned to Ian there about generators. Only this week have you got rid of your generator, and we're talking months on from this fire. Yeah, finally we got rid of our generator. It was the day before yesterday, um, and it's been an absolute nightmare because the generator kept breaking down, obviously. So when this fire started back in November, just describe what your day-to-day -day life was like here. Well, you couldn't open any windows in the house, um, and because it's an old property, it's 400 years old, we have open chimneys, so the smoke from the fire just used to come straight down into the house. Uh, very often when the wind was in our direction, we'd have to go out because you couldn't actually breathe. And since November, um, myself and the people living in my property have had chest infections and coughs and colds and that. And the doctors say it's both probably because of the smoke. Well, that's since November. You've been living here for 13 years. What's it been like living here? Could you even go into your back garden? Could you do those things that normal people do? No, you couldn't actually plan anything because prior to the, the wood smoke from the fire, in the past it's been a composting site when you had horrendous smells with stuff coming from Whipsnade Zoo. Um, they've had a previous fire where uh, that was the compost and again we had the same problems then. So you could never plan anything. So... In terms of how you feel this morning, you feel elated, but in saying that, um, I'm sure that you still feel the local council and the Environment Agency, who you've complained to time and time again, they've let you down. Yeah, I do. we do feel that. Um, because we're such a small community around there, um, we feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. And yes, OK, everybody agrees there's got to be recycling. It's um, for the environment. But when you've got a site like this causing all these problems, it can only do harm and cost the actual local councils thousands uh, in the especially this time, especially with the fire brigade. It must have cost thousands of pounds. So when you woke up back in November and you're looking out of your window and you're seeing this huge fire that people can see for, for miles around, thousands of calls are going into to the fire service. How did that make you feel the morning you woke up seeing that fire again? Because, of course, this wasn't the first time. No, and I think my initial reaction was, oh, God, not again. Mm -hmm. And we knew what was going to come. We knew it would take months and months to put out very angry weren't you at the time uh, you, yes I think angry is not <laughs> not expressive enough of how I felt um, we just knew that we were going to have another big battle on our hands your property is on the market it's been on the market for quite some time do you think you now might be able to sell your property hopefully I will um, it's not been obviously very conducive to have a generator outside my house and the smell of smoke um, the only thing that worries all of us residents now is what's going to happen to the site from now on. So what do you think will happen? Because you have been talking to locals. Um, what's your fears, if you like, moving forward now? Because good news, yes, but of course, what could happen tomorrow concerns you. Our biggest fear is that, again, um, in the past, um, at the moment it's called Wood Recycling Services, but over the last 13 years it's had a number of names, three or four different names, and we know that it's always been the same people um, in the director's uh, field that um, own the, the site. So our problem and our worry now is that it's going to reopen again as a recycling place with the same people and we're going to have the same problems all over again all us residents just don't want a recycling place there it's got to move okay a couple of final questions for you we believe around 25 jobs are going to be lost here because this site is closing down you must have sympathy for those workers surely oh absolutely um i've got sympathy for anybody that can lose their job but the way i can say uh, as an answer to that is would they want to live opposite where they're working
Okay. Final question. Why did you move there in the first place? Well, when I first moved there, there was no problem with the site whatsoever. It was only after the first two years when the ACH, I think it was the Environment Agency or the Council, gave them permission to increase their lorry movements of the amount of product taking on the site. That's when we had the problem start. So for the first two years, there never was a problem. Marlene, appreciate your time. Always good to talk to you. All the best for the future. Thank you. There you go. Marlene Pincott joining us live on Three Counties. So this story, of course, Ian, goes back to November. You've heard some of the concerns there from Marlene. Yes, she's very, very happy about this news. This site will be closing. But, of course, the big question for local residents now is, what's going to be here next? Justin, listen, I appreciate that. Can I, can I bend your ear on something? Mm, of course please? you can. As you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of football, and I follow it <laughs> very, very closely. You liar. How are the Hatters doing these days? Um, not very very well. Not very well at all. I think they're currently sitting, what, 11th in, uh, in the conference? Mm. Probably. And I'm sure somebody will back me up here. Yeah. It's probably been the worst season in the history of Luton Town Football Club. Yes, we had that fantastic cup run. And yes, we were graced with your presence at the Luton versus Millwall game. I, I brought greatness to, uh, to the, yeah. um, the venue, the yeah. stadium. What's Certainly not a lucky mascot that day, losing 3-0. But no, it's been, a, it's been a bad season. But well, they've got a new manager and onwards and upwards. The reason I'm asking about football... Hmm. Is because there is one football. I, I do like it sometimes when sports stories cross over into into mainstream news. Yes, and there's this story about England are playing a football match, like somewhere in Qatar. Yeah, and uh, Rio Ferdinand was like, "Oh, they won't pick me." Then they picked him, hmm. and then he went, actually, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go and be a pundit for Al Jazeera TV. Yeah. What do you, th- uh, what do you think about that? Well, do you know what? I'll be completely honest with you, and I'm sure that people will back me up on this one. I have got absolutely no interest whatsoever in England football matches. What? I will not No, no interest what? whatsoever. No, of course I don't. What do you mean, of course you don't? Hang on. You're English, yeah? Mm-hmm. Right, so hang on. Even I have a vague interest in England football. How can no. you have no interest? Somebody will back me up here. Please phone in and back me up. I spoke to Jeff Hurst about this last year. Oh, Jeff Hurst, he's of course. Big name dropper. Yes, yeah, big name dropper. Scored a hat trick in uh, the 66 World Cup final. And I said to him, Jeff, do you know what? The problem nowadays is I cannot relate to these players. Oh. If you look at the England team, the amount of money they're on, what they get up to, I'm sorry, but I just cannot relate to them. Years ago, you go back to 19. 19- 66, my dad and my granddad, they were both there, and after the game, if you saw a player, there would be every chance they would shake your hand. The players would be accessible to the fans. And share a fag with you. <laughs> Quite possibly, but now, you can't get anywhere near the team. These are supposed to be our idols, rank coming up here, but um, I just don't like the England football team. I won't be watching it this evening, I've got no interest in it whatsoever. Well, let, well hang on, this. hang on eight. Doggone second. Mm. Let me put that out to the listeners. Does anyone listening to this agree with Justin that you, you're a fan of football, but you've got no time whatsoever for the England football team? 08459 455555. You're shocking me. You, no, I've no. got no time for Rio. I think he's a, the, yeah. a pompous yeah. the idiot who's just taking a big fat paycheck. <laughs> oh, I've got, he's just, just he's, oh, yeah, I'm not going to play for my country, but yeah. I'll go and do some commentary, yeah, and, and take a huge. It's all fat to do with this training regime, to be fair, self and soul. But people often say to me, for you, Justin, what is it? Is it club? or is it country club mm. every single day you can relate to your club how can you relate to these people that are on £150,000 a week how can you possibly relate I, to somebody like that I do find it difficult to relate to people who earn less than me you're correct mm. but uh, you, you, okay well Justin thank you very much you've shocked me and you've surprised me that's going out this morning do you agree with Justin Dealey it was not the response I was expecting at all are you a fan of football and you support your local team your MK Dons 
your other teams. Uh, I, I don't know a lot about football. I know, you know, your Stevenages, your Luton Towns, all of that lot. But, um, but when it comes to the national squad, you've got no time for them whatsoever. Look at Ollie, work experience, trying to type up loads of teams for me. It doesn't matter. 08459 455 555. Do you agree with JD? You support your local teams, but when it comes to the national squad, you just cannot relate to them at all. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And as we head further into the morning rush, things are starting to get more progressively slow. M25 especially, anti-clockwise, we've got queuing traffic from Junction 25 at Enfield round to 24 at Potter's Bar. It's not a solid queue, but it is very slow moving. That's heading into the roadwork stretch. Then once you get through there, it's busy from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Maple Cross at Junction 17 through to Junction 15 at the M4. And that bit's taking about 25 minutes to get through probably going to end up being one big slow moving train of traffic like it does tend to in about half an hour or so. If you're heading toward London, the A10 southbound we've got delays from Turnford the A1170, the Great Cambridge Road through to the Winston Churchill Way the A121, so pretty busy around Chesant and then if you're using the A1 Borehamwood, usual queues building between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus, looking particularly slow on the cameras. Trains, we've still got problems for Chilton between Stratford-upon-Avon and Leamington Spa because of problems with lineside equipment and delays for Virgin trains because of an earlier fallen tree. It's affecting them with delays of up to 20 minutes. Some cancellations still possible as well, mainly through Milton Keynes with services down toward London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. 7.30, time for the news and sport now. Here's Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Doctors say a baby's condition is incompatible with life, but her parents from Langley are still fighting to get treatment to prolong it. The owners of a controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire say they'll shut it down. Meanwhile, an expert who led a government commission review of childcare in England has attacked coalition plans to allow nursery workers to look after more babies and toddlers. And residents in some villages around Stevenage fear their communities may be swallowed up. That's if expansion plans for the area get approved. That's all the news. Now let's turn to the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Kicking off with cricket, then England have struggled on the opening day of the final test against New Zealand in Auckland. Alistair Cook won the toss and put the home side into bat. They closed on 250 for one. Turning to football, the England under-21 side had another comfortable victory, their eighth in fact, in Buckinghamshire last night. They beat Romania 3-0 at Wickham. And the England senior team, let's not forget, play tonight against San Marino. Locally, Luton Town manager John Still will meet Hatter's managing director Gary Sweet today is to talk about players who aren't necessarily needed next season. Players are going to go eventually and I'm in the process now of talking to, to players. I'll be having a meeting with Gary Sweet. Once you make your mind up I think it's better to do it, you know, than let it drink. So yeah, that'll be part of the meeting, yeah. So Luton are at home to Tamworth tomorrow. Moving on to MK Dons and they're away at Colchester in League One but the Dons will be without defender Anthony Kay who's now suspended for three games. Boss Carl Robinson who could only put four substitutes on the bench for the game against Crewe midweek is still struggling with injury issues. Dave Martin, not trained today. Dean Lewinson's out. Shawnee Williams has got a personal thing. He's had to fly back to Ireland. Uh, Stephen Gleeson, Dean Bowles not trained today. Bamford has done half a session today. Lou Chadwick's not trained today. 
Daniel Powell's not trained today and Ryan Lowe has not been in today. Wow, it's an entire team that's out there. Let's turn in boxing then, Hertfordshire. Billy Joe Saunders retained his British and Commonwealth middleweight titles last night. The Hatfield man saw off challenger Matthew Hall. Finally, Milton Keynes Red Bull Mark Webber has finished fastest after first practice from the Malaysian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton came in ninth and Jensen Button 11th. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Lots coming up between now and eight, including thousands of homes could be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030. Residents in Gravely fear their village could be swallowed up. They only want 20 new properties there. Is it important to keep villages as they are, or do we need to expand them for future generations? And after the shock revelation from uh, our reporter, Justin Dealey, yes, he loves the, the Hatters, he, lo- he supports his local team, Luton Town, to his dying breath, but he has no time for... England, club or country, 08459 455 555. Now, in an attempt to clamp down on illegal immigration, the Deputy Prime Minister is to suggest money should be demanded from people entering the UK, which would only be returned to them once they leave. Oh, that's good. Like a little deposit when you rent a flat. Make sure you leave it clean and tidy and then you get some of it back. In a speech later, Nick Clegg is expected to call for a bail-like system of security bonds. Well, that's probably a slightly more grown-up way of putting it than a flat deposit (laughs) to tackle abuse of immigration visas. But would it actually work in practice? Our political reporter is Tom Turrell. Tom, can you tell us uh, about uh, more about how Nick Clegg is suggesting we tackle illegal immigration? Well, Ian, what Nick Clegg's going to do today in his first speech, interestingly, on immigration as Deputy Prime Minister, is he's going to call for people who enter the UK from high-risk countries to cough up some cash. He wants them to pay hundreds, maybe thousands of pounds to act as a deposit, as a guarantee, if you like, which will only be given back to them when they leave. So these sort of security bonds uh, would add, I guess, a sort of element of financial incentive, put it that way, for people to leave once their immigration visa expires. We know this system, don't we? Think of the court system in this uh, UK, in the UK, the bail system. Now this would act in a very similar way to that, except for instead of encouraging people not to do a runner, they want them to do exactly the opposite. Once the visa uh, expires, They want them to do a runner and go back to the country they came from. How does Nick Clegg's uh, Conservative coalition partners feel about this? Well, this is being put forward very much by the the Liberal Democrats independently. Uh, And they're distancing themselves from their Conservative coalition partners. Vince Cable has said that the government's target of reducing net migration, that's the number of people entering compared to those leaving, they want it down below 100,000 by 2015. Vince Cable has said... That's the wrong policy. It won't work. You should listen to what we're about to say. And they've also turned to the other side of the House of Commons and they've attacked Labour for when they were in power. They said there was mismanagement of the system. And they point to what are known as visa overstayers. People coming to the UK essentially for holidays or as students and staying here way beyond their visa allows them, permits them. And they stay here for work and stay here illegally. Why is he doing this now, Tom? Well, we've just had, haven't we, a few weeks ago, the Eastleigh by-election. Who came second? Well, it was UKIP, wasn't it? So I imagine that the Liberal Democrats are looking at that and they're saying there are votes to be won if you're tough 
on immigration. And this is about sending a message to the electorate that they will deal with the problem that the electorate perceive, and that is one of immigration. Bear in mind as well, Ian, that in what? five, six weeks' time, there's a local election. So this is a bit of political posturing, which will go down well with the right-wing press and with a good chunk of the electorate. Tom, thank you very much indeed. That's our political reporter, Tom Tyrell. It's an interesting idea. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, who uh, follows this show at nine o'clock and always does a, a, a cracking bit of radio, uh, is going to be discussing this more after uh, nine o'clock. And he'll pop in ooh, in about 45 minutes' time to do a silly dance and tell me exactly what it is he's talking about. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Should we have a look at the front pages of the newspapers? Yes, let's do that, shall we? The Times, Britain on brink... What? Sorry, what? Britain on brink of running out of gas? Fuel reserves are drained during long winter. Sorry? Britain has only two days' worth of gas left in reserve as the country braces itself for another spell of wintry weather that will force up energy bills. Hang on. So that's today and tomorrow. So Sunday... We're all screwed. Ooh, make sure you've got a woolly jumper for Sunday. There'll be no gas. Stocks of gas have been drained in recent weeks as households have turned up their heating because of the unseasonably cold weather. So guess what? I wonder if bills are going to go up. I wonder if any companies are going to announce, maybe later on today, that their gas bills are going to go up. Uh, and uh, Justin Welby, the new Archbishop of Canterbury. Archbishop opens a new era of optimism. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, an MI6 test smuggled Syria soil for nerve agent. What does that mean? Government scientists at Porton Down are examining, examining a soil sample smuggled out of Syria after a suspe- suspected nerve gas attack on rebels in the country's civil war. Did you see, if you're on Twitter, that the BBC weather tweeting service was hacked by supporters, or well, people claiming to be supporters of President Assad in Syria? If I... If I was a terrorist for Syria, I don't think I'd be hacking the BBC weather Twitter service. I think I'd probably go aim for something a little bit higher than that. The Guardian. Uh, Experts warn of £9 billion tax rises. Yeah, that's just me. Um, And um, divisions over Falklands went right to heart of uh, of number 10. Those revelations are coming out about Margaret Thatcher and um, number 10. And the Falklands, the Independent... Uh, oh, they tell us the top ten Easter eggs. Oh, let's have a little look at those. Let's see which... Uh, page 41 for the top ten Easter eggs. Oh, look, number one, Fortnum and Mason. Yeah, all right. I thought it'd be, like, crunchy or something, you know, or or, or, or um, chocolate buttons. Where does crunchy come in there? Oh, these are all posh ones. I'm not going to... Sp- Fortnum and Mason Easter egg. Right, guess... Uh, have a guess, uh, Producer Laura. How much would a Fortnum... Don't you, you, I'll let you pull that up, don't worry. I guess how much a Fortnum and Mason Easter egg would cost? Uh, I reckon £15. £37.50. pence. Wow. As luxurious as it gets, the delicious handmade pink chocolate shell is filled with indulgent Marc de Champagne truffles. 38 quid? That is mad. Loads of the supermarkets have had offers recently and I have already eaten at least five. Easter eggs? Mm. But it's not Easter till next week. No, but if you work out the price per gram of chocolate compared to buying a bar of chocolate, they worked out cheaper, so I just ate them. Really? Mm. Well, not, not, not this one. The cheapest one here... Oh, look, James Chocolate Egghead. Uh, £4.49 from Lakeland. 
That'll do. But all the others, 13 quid, 15 quid, 20 quid for a Selfridges Easter egg. Crazy. Crazy prices. My, l- listen, if my, thank you very much for that, producer. She's eating Easter eggs already. Can we find anybody else that's had an Easter egg already? If my niece and nephew are listening, you're gonna get, you'll get them two weeks after Christmas, uh, after Easter. Well, then they're cheaper then, aren't they? They're much cheaper. Let's have a quick look at the Telegraph and then we'll um, <clears throat> take a phone call. Uh, Minister's War on Countryside is the Telegraph. Property developers have been privately promised that planning laws will be liberalised again within weeks to allow them to begin a house-building boom. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm just chuckling because I've seen Matt's cartoon <laughs> for today. Matt, the uh, resident cartoonist on the uh, the Telegraph, always he says what nobody else is thinking. And uh, he's got, uh, let's see, there's a picture. It's a sign at the top of some stairs. And it says OBR, Economic Forecasts Department, up. There's an arrow pointing upwards. And then there's a gentleman falling downwards. Um, don't get that one. That's actually done a cartoon I don't get. Well, you can tell we're filling because we're speaking to Dennis in Dunstable. Good morning, Ian. <laughs> Good morning, Dennis. I'm teasing. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Absolutely fine. Football. Football. Are you a fan of football? No, never have been. Really? No, even when I was at boys, uh, completely boys' school, I was forced to play football. But to yeah. me, it's a game, for God's sake. Yes, yes. It's 20, what is it, 22 very young athlete men chasing a ball of wind around the field, that's all. I, I'm not a fan of football, but do you not support Dunstable nope. FC or anything? No, I don't. Mm. The only footballers I used to know anybody about was um, Stanley Matthews, yep. who played for Blackpool at the time, who could, they reckon he could swear at, uh, swerve at some funny angle and get round people. Yeah. He was fantastic. Yeah. And the only other one <laughs> I had was a German, actually. Oh, that's surprising. He was a captured paratrooper. Bert Troutman, who stayed in England after the war... He defected, did he? No, well, he he played here, and he actually played for a team in goal, and he played for a match with a broken neck. Oh, yes, I've I've heard of that gentleman. Yes, Troutman with a broken neck, of course. Uh, he was a very well... A nice, nice-spoken chap when you spoke to him. You know, he seemed to be very down to... Did you, did you speak to him? No, I didn't, but oh. I'm listening to him. Oh, OK. You know. This was in the days when we had no television, you had radio. Yes, think. yes, I remember Quite radio. Quite honestly, I wouldn't waste my time watching a football match on television. OK. D- Dennis, do you want to do the front pages of the last three newspapers with me? Yes, sure. <clears throat> OK, so I've got... Well, have you got any newspapers there with no, you? No, I haven't. It, OK. It, it, we don't get out for till about nine o'clock. What? Well, then, then they're really... OK, I'll, I'll do that, and you can comment on these stories. The date... Chocolate eggs. Well, yeah. that's ridiculous. Champagne, that sort of money for chocolate eggs. What, what kind of money would you pay for a chocolate egg? A normal price in a, in a local shop, yeah. you know, just a normal egg, whatever the, the, the standard price for that. Okay. These fancy ones, you're eating the no. name, that's all. You don't eat a name, do you? Oh. Let's have a look at the Daily Express. OK, front page of the Daily Express. Girls allowed split. To split what? Well, girls, al- you know girls allowed the pop group? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. No, they, they, sorry. They're splitting up. Oh, are they? Oh, poor things. Yes. Yeah, so are, are you are you upset by that? Not in the least. Okay. They also the other story in the front page of the Express: thirty-six hours of snow chaos on the way. Over to you, Dennis. Well, my wife is sitting here waiting for it. To, she's wishing for it to happen. She's a misery. She's she was born on a Wednesday. She's a child of woe. And by God, she's getting a lot of woe at the moment. Oh, it's going to snow. Oh, it's going to snow. So what? There's nothing we can do about it. Just accept it. <laughs> You're a very wise man, Dennis. <laughs> Front page of the sum. 
exclusive ceremony guru Danny Boyle's bombshell. Danny Boyle, who directed the um, the, the opening ceremony of the yeah. Olympics, says the Olympic spirit is killed by recession. Dennis? I don't think so. I, I, I can remember that thing. I thought it was. I thought the opening was absolutely fabulous. The only thing he didn't show was a decent uh, rocket train. I mean, he showed all the things that we'd created here, but he didn't show that. But as I say, other than that, I thought it was a fantastic thing. Has the Olympic spirit died? I don't know. I still look at some of these young people and think, my God, they've done very well. And they, they've, got, they've earned, well, even if they didn't earn medals, they've done fantastically. They've pushed sport and everything. And not so much sport, but human uh, endeavour to, to do what they've had to do. Because they have to train like mad. And I've got every respect for those people. Dennis, you're a legend. Why don't you go and make your missus a nice cup of tea? Not likely. This is Travel News Now with Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Deep breaths, everyone. Right, M25, anti-clockwise. It's looking pretty slow from Enfield at Junction 25 through to Potter's Bar at 24. That's through the roadworks, which continue round to Junction 23 at the A1M. Then it's slow from Maple Cross at Junction 17 to the M4 at Junction 15. That seems to be the bit that's slowest right now. It's taking maybe half an hour to get between those two junctions. If you're joining the M40, though, away from there, it seems to be moving all right. On the A10, delays in Chesant again this morning. Slow between Great Cambridge Road and Winston Churchill Way. Then slow again once you get into Enfield. It's heavy between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. A1 is queuing in Boreham Wood between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Other routes across the three counties seem to be moving fine. No delays as yet really on the M1 this morning. On the trains, we've still got these problems for Virgin. Delayed by up to 20 minutes after they had a tree on the line in the West Midlands earlier this morning. And will mainly be affecting services through Milton Keynes heading down toward London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. 7.46, it's Friday the 22nd of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Doctors say a baby's condition is incompatible with life, but her parents from Langley are still fighting to prolong her life. After a fire at a Hertfordshire wood recycling site last year, it now looks set to close. In sport, the England under-21 team beat Romania 3-0 at Wickham last night. Coming up, residents in some villages around Stevenage fear their communities could be swallowed up if expansion plans for the area get approved. We'll hear more about their concerns before 8, but now at 7.47, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. I say good morning, it's not feeling all that nice out there, is it, at the moment? We've got outbreaks of light, patchy rain through the course of the day today. A very strong easterly breeze as well, and some of that rain has already turned sleety, and I think we're going to see further outbreaks of that through the day as well. So, with the easterly wind, afternoon temperatures not getting much higher than 3 or 4 degrees Celsius. It will feel as if it's below freezing for much of the day. I think we are due for a, a few dry hours as soon as this rain now pushes off to the east um, so uh, expect it to turn dry through the middle part of the morning and into the first part of the afternoon but that rain is going to pick up a bit later on through the day, it will never be too far away I'm afraid and it will turn heavy and persistent into tonight's rush hour and through the evening and overnight period as well and that's when we're expecting to see a good few centimetres of snow now I think it is going to snow quite widely across the three counties of course over the tops of the tops of the hills then we're going to get um, a little bit more so particularly um, snowy here but 
but uh, even a few centimetres possible to lower levels as well through the early hours of tomorrow morning in particular and through the daylight hours of tomorrow as well. Thank goodness it's a Saturday. It shouldn't cause too much disruption, I suppose. But if you've got to be somewhere, you might well want to look at your travel plans. Now, overnight tonight, temperatures will drop just below freezing. We've still got that easterly breeze. That's part of the problem because the snow's just going to blow around in that wind. It's really going to be highly unpleasant, almost blizzard-like conditions, particularly over the tops of the hills. It should be drier by tomorrow afternoon, by the end of the day. Anyway, um, still very cold indeed. Temperatures only up to one or two degrees Celsius. It will be a dry day on Sunday. Lots of cloud, the odd wintry flurry at times. Still feeling cold into next week. Enjoy. Thank you, Elizabeth. Weekends on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every Saturday morning from six, David Prever. Saturday morning is without question the best part of the week. I still feel as though I'm a kid on Saturday mornings. David Prever. We'll set up your day just as we would on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday morning. But we'll have a lot of fun and play a lot of music too. Every Saturday morning from six. BBC Three Counties Radio is at its best for me when I hear a great story that I can't wait to tell my wife. When I feel as I'm eavesdropping on a conversation that I probably shouldn't be listening to. David Prever, every Saturday morning from six on BBC Three Counties Radio. Residents in some villages around Stevenage fear that their communities could be swallowed up if expansion plans for the area get approved. It's possible that up to 10,700 homes could be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030, with public consultation currently taking place over seven large sites. Uh, joined now by Conservative Councillor Tom Brindley, in charge of planning at North Hart's District Council. Good morning, Councillor. Good morning. And also Jack Rigg chairs GASP, Gravely Against Snap Plan, plan which was formed to fight a previous development development plan for Stevenage and is co-opted uh, onto Gravely Parish Council's planning subcommittee. Morning, Jack. Good morning. Jack, what do you think about the scale of developments proposed in this district? Is it realistic? Well, the first thing is, um, no, well, it's, it's not realistic. Um, but what has been proposed is 10,700 houses somewhere in the area. Um, and the two sites they're talking about would account for 7,000 houses. The question is, um, do we need the houses? I mean, we want to retain the rural uh, nature of our village. We want to maintain our own community. We would be swamped by these developments. Do you think we don't need the houses? We need some houses. How many do we need? Well, the figures produced by North Hearts would suggest a nil net migration of 5,900. The government is insisting that the, uh, they build houses to allow for some inward migration. How, how many houses do we need? Give me a figure. Um, probably about 9,000. That would be the mid-trend ex- excluding... OK. Well, it's not, it's, that's not that much less than... Uh... Than, than what they're suggesting. Why do you think Gravely deserves to be protected from a, a lot of these new houses being built? Because we have our own village... Well, first of all, we wish to maintain the identity of our village. Secondly, though, um, if you build out to Gravely, you're denying the countryside to all the people, residents of North Stevenage. It's not... You can't just um, take Gravely in isolation. You've got to look at the surrounding community. The, these open spaces are valued by people in Stevenage. Councillor, what, what do you make of what Jack's saying? 
Well, Jack's correct about the 5,900 for our own needs. The, the amount required for migration uh, is, uh, I think, probably is higher than he's suggesting there. And, but he's right to say that this is uh, uh, a law. We have to obey the law, and the law says we must account for inward migration. And that's one of the nut things we're consulting on. And so we welcome Jack's uh, comments for that, and, and I, I know he will be making through the consultation. So the 10,700 numbers isn't set in stone. Can you it's un- Tom, up for consultation. Tom. In, in terms of Gravely and the sites there, um, again, nothing is proposed. These are put forward by developers, and we're asking for comments on. We have three times as many sites in this consultation as are required. So this is as much about which two-thirds of the sites are not to develop as to which ones to develop. You can understand, Tom, can't you, why, why people like Jack and residents of Gravely want to protect their village and why they don't want hundreds of houses built around there. I, I certainly can, and I have met with Jack, uh, and I've met with the residents of Gravely uh, on, on several occasions, I, uh, it, it recently as part of this consultation and before. The, the proposal that is on the table, the, the, the land there for north of Stevenage, uh, does come into Gravely Parish, it doesn't actually get into the Gravely Village itself. In fact, it, 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 stops it gets to within 400 metres of Gravely Village. It, as I say, it stops within 400 metres of the edge of the Gravely Village there. And it would be, certainly, were that development to go ahead, and it's a big it if, if uh, there would need to be measures to uh, keep the communities separate, because coalescence is something <coughs> that we are not keen on. 400 like metres is, is not much of a gap, is it? I could, I could, I could run that in 45 seconds. Uh, I, I certainly couldn't. But it also depends <laughs> on what that gap is, and if the edge of that development were to be uh, tree lines and screenings, then it's a very different situation. But as I say, this is all part of the consultation. No decisions have been made yet. We welcome the input. We're engaging with the community, uh, and we do have to make some decisions. Some of them will be hard. We will make those decisions, um, but uh, <coughs> it will be based on the consultation. Jack, we're at the moment. do you feel like you're being engaged with? Um... Not really. I mean, the, the problem is, these sites were... Jack, prop- I came and sat in your kitchen and talked to you all. I know so you did. I, I, absolutely. How much more can I engage? No, no, no. Fair enough. But the point is, these sites were proposed by developers. They're all but one a, a, a green, field, a green belt sites. Why are we not considering building to the north of the green belt? These sites would have only relevance to Stevenage. They only have relevance to the expansion of Stevenage. They don't relate to North Hearts itself in any meaningful, to any meaningful extent. No, well, you, you, I think you were good Great enough Ashby to... Would consi- do consider themselves part of North Hearts, so I, I'm not sure that that's really co- correct, because uh, well, Great, Great Ashby had joined Stevenage. I know that the people of Great Ashby, and you know that, really consider themselves to be part of North Harbour and not part of Stevenage. Tom, how do you balance retaining a village's identity with the need to build, build thousands of homes? We are looking at a variety of different ways of expanding, and most of the expansion is... Uh, around towns rather than around villages. We think that some villages do require some expansion because if they don't have anything, then there'll be nowhere for the children of the village to live and the villages themselves will find it harder to survive. Agreed. I know my own children have had to leave the village to go and live in the town because there just isn't the accommodation. He, he makes a good point about that, Jack, doesn't he? That, that no, if you um, don't build um, new, um, new places in villages, then the kids are going to move out. I agree entirely with that and that is a possible alternative strategy. The, as Tom said, there's Something like 30,000 dwelling sites have been identified, 21,300 of which are strategic sites, but that leaves 9,000-odd that are non-strategic. And if you are, um, put more houses in the villages, 
that reinforces the identity of the village, uh, maintains services. How many houses do you want in the village then, Jack, as part of this scheme to build 10,000 odd houses? How many would you happily accept in, in your village? Well, um, obviously I'm not elected, so I'm not in a position... No, but to... as, you, as you personally, as, as a resident... Well, OK, the, I don't have a problem... We're about 180 houses. Yeah. I don't have a problem with them building 20 houses or 40 houses. You said gravely would only take 20. We haven't got a figure. Um, but there is a site to the north of Gravely, at Jacks Hill, that was turned down as being isolated for 88 houses. But if they built, Jack, if they built 20 houses in Gravely and then 20 houses in another village and 30 houses in another, th- that's never going to be enough, is it? No, it won't. Tom? No, it won't. And the sites that have come forward in village, if we use them all, and some of them are, are really not suitable, that's still only about 7,500. So we will need a strategic site. Uh, and all the strategic sites are in Greenbelt because there isn't enough brownfield land left. We are we prioritise brownfield land, previously previous developed land. We'll always look to that first. There isn't enough of it. So they have to go somewhere. Um, that, that, I think, is... And I don't even think Jack's saying they don't need to go somewhere. Uh, it is just where is that somewhere. And what we have to do is to make sure that uh, we get the maximum return from these uh, housing and the maximum benefit to North Hearts and minimise the impact on settlements like Gravely. What's going to happen, Tom, with the roads? Because the, the, I mean, the A1M near Stevenage is already struggling. If you build all these houses, how's that going to cope? That's a super question, and uh, one which I, in conjunction with Stevenage, with Central Bedfordshire, with in Hatfield, are currently lobbying the Secretary of State for Housing, Eric Bickles, um, to say, look, you need to talk with your... Uh, Secretary of State for Transport and sort out the infrastructure because you're absolutely right at the moment that's a constraint we even have the highways agency saying you can't build more than a few thousand houses because the roads can't take it and yet we've got the community uh, uh, Secretary of Community and Local Government saying you've got to build lots of houses so I think that is one for central government to start talking to themselves Jack, uh, Jack you've got 20 seconds, last word to you well these two sites, north of Stevenage, north east of Stevenage are not viable without the building of significant infrastructure. They need a road from northeast of Stevenage just to make the site viable. Jack, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. The last voice you heard was Jack Rigg, who chairs gravely against Snap Plan. And the other gentleman, of course, was Conservative Councillor Tom Brindley, in charge of planning at North Hearts District Council. If you want to have a say on that, 08459 455 555. Uh, we're also talking, we've got a text and an email I'll do after, uh, after the news. Do you support your local team, but you just can't identify with the England squad? We'll speak more after the travel. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25, it's crawling anti-clockwise in the roadwork section from Junction 25 at Enfield through to Junction 23 at the A1M, taking around half an hour to navigate through there. It's also busy anti-clockwise from Maple Cross to the M4, Junction 17 through to 15. The A5 in Dunstable southbound's looking slow between the A505 and Lynch Hill. If you're heading toward London using the A10, it's busy in Chesant between the Great Cambridge Road and Winston Churchill Way. Then again through Enfield, it's heavy between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. Meanwhile, on the A1... Barnet Bypass is slow southbound through Borehamwood between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Virgin Trains still reporting delays of up to 20 minutes after they had a fallen tree on the line in the West Midlands earlier this morning. That will affect services through Milton Keynes down to London. And Chilton now reporting delays of up to 45 minutes between Stratford-upon-Avon and Leamington Spa because of a problem with line-side equipment. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Thank you very much, Adam. A text. Justin, I thought I was the only one. As a mad football fan, I wouldn't walk down the bottom of the road to watch England. And as for Rio Ferdinand, I thought it was an honour to be picked for your country. To turn it down is an insult. That's from Nick. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock, I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, Langley parents struggle to get treatment for their baby, Hertfordshire Wood Recycling Site closing down, a new university set to open in Milton Keynes. BBC Three Counties Radio. The parents of a baby who was given just weeks to live when she was born are now fighting for medical treatment to extend her life. Grace Williams from Langley on the Buckinghamshire and Berkshire border has a rare genetic disorder, which means she has serious heart problems. Her mother, Laura Blount, explains more. You have no option but to fight for her and to to stay strong and we do enjoy every day with her but what I'm struggling with is the fight to get her treated because she has this label of trisomy 18 uh, in layman's terms a a big hole in her heart what they don't have is any evidence um, to suggest that these children don't have any quality of life Turning to other news, and in Hertfordshire, the owners of a controversial wood recycling site say they're going to shut it down. There was a massive fire there last year, which caused weeks of disruption near to the M1, but local residents had been complaining about it for years. A BBC investigation found that the company in charge had flouted a series of safety regulations in the lead-up to the blaze. Milton Keynes is getting a new university. The joint collaboration between the University of Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes Council is being launched later this morning. From September, there'll be a university campus and the first students have already applied. Now, residents in some villages around Stevenage fear their communities may be swallowed up if expansion plans for the area get approved. It's thought up to 10,700 homes would be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030, with public consultation currently taking place over seven large sites. Well, Tim Moody is from nearby Weston and chairs the parish council there. They're spreading quite a lot of their houses, something in the region of 5,000 across various towns and villages, filling in brownfield sites, building on the edges of villages. Well, we would um, welcome a, a modest development of housing within Western to maintain local amenities, the village shop, the village pub, transport services. It supports local schools. A man's due before Milton Keynes magistrates today charged with seven robbery and theft-related crimes. It's alleged 34-year-old Christopher Jones of No Fixed Abode carried out most of the offences this month at various supermarkets across the city. Let's move on to sport then. And the England under-21 team beat Romania 3-0 at Wickham last night. And the future of the Olympic Stadium in East London is expected to be confirmed today with West Ham Football Club agreeing a deal to move in. Finally, the weather. And it's not looking all that great out there. Plenty of that white stuff around set to be both windy and cold and indeed it is across many parts of Britain it will be staying quite snowy as well temperatures 4 degrees Celsius that's 39 in Fahrenheit there's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties BBC three counties radio first for news and suddenly it's three minutes past eight what on earth is going on Time is flying by this morning. Hope you're having a good morning. I'm enjoying myself today. The last hour of the show, we've got a banjo player coming in. Oh, I was going to bring my banjo in, and then I realised two things. One, I actually can't play the banjo. It's flipping hard. I've got a lovely one. Can't play it. Two, ah, I couldn't be bothered. So we have got a banjo coming in before nine o'clock. Other stories are perhaps slightly more serious this morning. 
Parents of a Bucks baby are fighting to save her life. The medical profession describe her condition as incompatible with life. I'll be speaking to an Amersham mum whose daughter also has the same syndrome. She's now 21 and attending a college in St Albans. And this was brought up when I was talking uh, to Justin Dealey. Do you love your local football team but have little support for the England squad? Dealey surprised me earlier when he said he, he just can't be bothered with his country. But he'd do anything for the Hatters. Do you agree? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or, look, all of the lines are free, so now's the best way to get in touch. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple who live in Langley on the Bucks Barks border are fighting to get medical treatment for their baby daughter to try to extend her life. Laura Blount and Sean Williams were told their daughter Grace would only live for a few weeks, but she's now nearly four months old. They want her to have a heart operation, which they believe will extend her life, but the authorities are not convinced. Well, uh, Laura, join me in the studio earlier on. Grace is my hero. Mm. She's um, shown such strength of character that you have no option but to fight for her and to, to stay strong. We do enjoy every day with her, but what I'm struggling with is the fight to get her treated because she has this label of trisomy 18. Trisomy 18, so to, to, to explain exactly what that means. Trisomy 18 is the um, presence of an extra 18 chromosome, similar to Down syndrome, uh, which is the presence of an extra 21 chromosome. Trisomy 18 is, the, is an extra 18 chromosome, which there are lots of trisomies. Mm. Um, what... Uh, trisomy 18 is is close related to trisomy 13 as well um and you get different levels of um trisomy 18 you can have um mosaic trisomy 18 which is half an 18 chromosome but grace has full edward syndrome which is a f- the presence of a full 18 chromosome which is what the medical profession term is more lethal so what treatment would you like to see grace receive what, what I'm fighting for is, is Grace has what they call um, a VSD, which is, uh, in layman's terms, a, a big hole in her heart. Um, the spectrum to, uh, that Edward's babies have is so wide-ranging, and there is not an awful lot known about it because the mortality rate of Edward's babies is so high. Um, what they don't have is any evidence um, to suggest that these children don't have any quality of life. Um, so... Physically, there's nothing else wrong with Grace apart from the fact that she has this hole in her heart. And I know that if she were operated on, she would have a greater chance of life. Well, that was earlier on in the show. Heidi Herman is from Latimer near Amersham in Bucks. Her daughter Saskia was born with the same syndrome as Grace. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. I, I'm finding this story very moving. You, you, oh, no. your daughter uh, was born with this syndrome, but she survived. Well, she is. She's still alive. She and she's she's doing very well, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She was born with exactly the same syndrome. She also had a VSD. She also had two other holes in her heart and a condition called elevated pulmonary pressure. Um, her heart, fortunately for us, corrected itself. Um, something that I think the medical profession never, ever thought they would see. Once she actually showed herself, that it showed us that she was actually a, a 
going to to possibly be a long-term survivor, they started to talk slightly differently. And I've been very, very lucky in that our care has been handled by High Wycombe Hospital and Stoke Mandeville. And I have to say the paediatric team there were absolutely fantastic. And they never prevented Saskia from having anything. So she is now 21. She is profoundly handicapped, but she has had the most amazing life. And I wouldn't swap having had any of those experiences for anything. And you were told that, that, that she wouldn't live very long at all? We were told exactly the same thing, that the condition was incompatible with life. Do they actually use that phrase with you? Yes, they use that, that phrase. She was I... born on a Tuesday and we were told to have her christened because she probably would not survive until the weekend. How does that make you feel as a parent? Um, I think I I can remember shaking. I can remember shaking like mad and thinking, surely I haven't just heard that. Surely they must be wrong. But then on the other hand, before I'd had the emergency caesarean, they told me that she might have a condition that was incompatible with life. When she was born, the first thing she did was cry so we knew she was alive. So I guess maybe there was just that slight glimmer of hope in my mind that maybe they could possibly have it wrong. Um, but no, it, it is dreadful. And, and what makes it worse is you're then on a maternity ward, admittedly in a side ward, right beside the telephone where every father in the country is telling, ringing all their relatives and saying, oh, we've had this lovely little baby and you're laying in bed thinking, that's it, I am never having another child, I'm going to keep horses. And then the next minute you think, I'm, oh, no, I've got to have loads of children to make up for this because I, I, may, lose, I may lose this child. You know, I, I, I so want this child. It, it's, it's, it's horrible. You say Saskia is, is profoundly disabled. It, it, how does that manifest itself? Um, basically, she is, she's non-mobile, so she's in a wheelchair and has been in a wheelchair all her life. She has no speech, but her eyes can speak a million words. So she communicates by, with head pointing, with, with her eyes, with her smile. Um, she... She had, she fed through a gastrostomy tube, so she had very small amount of food orally when she was little, but she had a problem with um, actually keeping the food down. So slowly she's learnt that she, she's forgotten how to eat, and we've never gone back that route because to do it we would have to starve her um, and, and make her use those muscles, and there's no guaranteeing that she could use those muscles because these children have very poor muscle control. So she's, she, she's catheterized, so she has a catheter. Um, apart from that, yes, I mean, she's, she's not a brain of Britain. She's probably cognitively no more developed than a one- or a two-year-old. But in many ways, she's very knowing. She knows exactly how to get attention. She knows exactly how to tell you what's wrong. The one big drawback is probably if she is in pain, is trying to work out where the pain is. But we're working with college on developing a program with her whereby she has cards um, that will say yes and no, and we get her to eye point to the yes and the no. She has these big communication buttons that will be recorded with a, a yes or a no, and you'll ask her something, and you'll get her to press the yes or the no. So she very much understands yes and no. She very much understands um, happy and sad. And, and the one thing she really does understand is she understands that she's loved and she knows, she knows people. Very quickly, Heidi, what is she like doing? She loves music. 
she loves looking at herself in a, mu- a mirror and she absolutely adores men. So it's the three oh. M's, music, mirrors and men. You put a, a man in the room and her face just lights up. Heidi, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Really appreciate your time. It's Heidi Herman talking about her daughter, Saskia. Well, on the line now is Dr Lucy Keane, who's an obstetrician at the Nottingham University Hospital who diagnoses this sort of genetic condition during pre- pregnancy. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. We're talking about Edwards syndrome. How, how common is it? I hadn't heard of it before yesterday. Well, the question of how common it is depends on when you're looking. If you look at babies that are born with Edwards syndrome, probably about one in every 7,000 babies. So in Nottingham, where we deliver 10,000 a year, we might have one or two live-born babies with Edwards syndrome. But about 75 to 80% of pregnancies with Edwards syndrome don't last through the pregnancy. So our pickup rate at, say, 12 weeks, which is when we do a lot of our screening, is much higher than that. Because a lot of babies with Edwards syndrome, if mothers continue a pregnancy, will sadly end in a miscarriage or the loss of a baby before the baby's born. How do you... You, you can spot it antenatally. During, you can spot it during the pregnancy. What is it? Is it just the, the, the smallness of the baby, or, or, or how do you spot it? It's a combination of things. As Heidi, um, and was it Grace, I think, mm. last lovely lady, said both of their children had heart defects. And Grace heart is... Defects, yeah, Heidi's talking about Saskia, her daughter, yeah. Heidi's talking about Saskia, and... Um, the little baby that needs a heart operation, Grace, has got a hole in the heart. Mm. And we can pick those up on scan. Not every time, but we would hope to be able to pick up between 90 and 95% of babies who have a potential diagnosis of Edwards syndrome because we can see something on the scan. The scan can't tell you that a baby's got Edwards syndrome, Mm. but it can tell you that there's a problem that might point to a diagnosis of Edwards syndrome. And then we would offer a further test where we either take a tiny sample of the placenta or a little bit of fluid from around the baby to test for the number of chromosomes. And once we've done that, we can then see the chromosomes and put the structural problems and the chromosome tests together to give a diagnosis. Doctor, there is evidence that, that some babies do live longer than the, the, the few weeks or months that they've predicted, oh, Saskia yes. being the example. Do you think that there's a danger that the medical profession are perhaps too quick to reject these babies as, as, as not being viable? Well, the issue, I think, is based on the fact that the vast majority of babies with Edwards syndrome that we pick up in the womb, 85% of them will not make it to be live-born babies. And of the live-born babies, about 10% of those will have survival for greater than a year. So I think there is a big educational issue. And Soft UK, which is a charity that I'm a trustee for, which is the support organisation for trisomy, of which Saskia is one of our members, I think, Um, we are trying to improve the education and provide the research because I think in Grace's case, of course, one of the issues that her mother has highlighted is that there isn't a lot of research out there. And if you look, most of the research was done in the 1980s and 1990s. So SOFT is trying to do more research on long-term survival and has recently done 
a study pointing up the fact that babies with an extra chromosome 18 can survive into young adulthood. And in America, some, um, some survivors are even older than that. So we have an educational issue here. Doctor, I've got to end it there because we're out of time, but absolutely fascinating. I, I appreciate you coming on. Dr Lucy Keane, obstetrician at the Nottingham University Hospital. Sorry to move on. It was fascinating. Could talk for longer, but I've got to, I've got to do the business, haven't I, really? Here's the travel with Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian. So far this morning, it's been disruption on the trains that's been the main story of the day. Virgin trains delayed by up to 20 minutes because of an earlier fallen tree on the line in the West Midlands near to Dudley. It's causing disruption through Milton Keynes, mainly on trains heading into London. And we've still got some late runners, though nothing as bad as about half an hour or an hour ago. Problems for Chilton, though. 45 minutes late between Stratford-upon-Avon and Leamington Spa. Problem with line side equipment at Hatton. I'm looking at the departure boards at High Wycombe. We've got a couple of late runners and indeed one cancellation. The 8.16 through to Marylebone has been cancelled. Your next London train from High Wycombe will be at 8.30. Everything on the roads moving fine, except for the M25 which is slow in the usual spots. Maple Cross through to the M4, junction 17 to 15. The A1 which is busy at the Black Cat roundabout and it's also busy once you get down toward London. Boreham Wood, it's queuing between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, it's 8.17. It's Friday the 22nd of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple in Langley are determined to fight doctors for an operation to keep their baby alive. After a fire at a Hertfordshire wood recycling site last year, it now looks set to close. In sport, Milton Keynes' Red Bull have come second in second practice at the Malaysian Grand Prix. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks staying cloudy with some occasional light rain, sleet or snow. Both windy and cold, maximum temperature 4 degrees. Coming up, do you love your local football team but have little support for the England squad? Well, our football correspondent Justin Dealey surprised me earlier when he said he's got no time for his country, but he'd do anything, literally anything, for the Hatters. Well, he's been out and about getting your views on this. We'll catch up with him before 8.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. On April the 1st, the welfare system undergoes its biggest change for 60 years. We're determined to reform welfare so that work always pays. There'll be new benefits, changes to existing ones and more responsibility for local government. They're not being guinea pigs, they're actually getting very, very close support and advice and actually I think this will be a tremendous success story. Next week we'll be finding out what these radical changes really mean to beds, hearts and bucks. We're going to be £908 worse off. As usually it just feels like we're wading through mud with this one. Now that I'm on benefits I'm actually better off. Benefit changes, making it clear. Next week on BBC Three Counties Radio. You look a little bit grey around the eyes. Are you feeling poorly, my dear? I, I just got a bit of a head this yes, morning. Yes. I blame this ghastly weather that's mm. about to ruin my... It's my father's birthday this weekend. Oh. And we're all supposed to be going to a luxury hotel. Mm. He's treating the whole family to a, to a lovely weekend away. I don't reckon we're going to be able to get there because there's blooming weather. Uh, even I, and you know I'm a big fan of, of the snow. I support the snow. But I, it, come on, it's April now. It's virtually, it's virtually summertime. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Ooh. I told you it would affect you this way, Ooh. being in the home counties. Hey, calm down. We hate the snow here. What is... What? 
Hang on a second. I, all you need is a, is a pencil moustache, and you could be Jonathan Vernon Smith's evil <laughs> twin brother, like they do on soap operas. <laughs> you, you've got, you've got, you've really got a, a tone about oh, you. Oh, I hate the snow. What is? I pity it's any awful any callers that come on your show today. You're going to give reckon, them. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a feisty one today. I feel in the mood. I know you do. I'm really enjoying your show at the moment, and I'm enjoying Thanks. the new format you've got for the Consumer Hour. Oh, interesting what new format. I didn't know we got a new format. Oh, the, the, the interesting new format you've got, where you're kind of gently phasing out the callers and allowing Tim more time to talk about his car problems. The last 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 week it was his tires. The last two days it's been about him drunk. I know we're going to stop that. I got I got I told the pal trying to find about a popping up. It's time to have the price call. Give us a call. And it really is. It's all about Tim's car. It's fascinating. It's much better. It's much better than those horrible people that the public that phone in with their hot tubs and their council houses and these are my listeners. No, no. I want to hear. I want to hear more about Tim's fan belt. And is he? What's he going to do? What's he going to do? I know he just had a service the other week. They didn't spot the fan belt. Two hundred pounds to change the fan belt is it worth it is it a good deal well some people paid 345 someone paid 100 someone on facebook could do it for 60 quid it's fascinating more tim please in fact you don't even need to turn up <laughs> just give the last hour over to tim and his car can we do that what, what would that sound like it was <laughs> oh, welcome tim's car my car we sent john eventually out to fire up my car well i'm outside with tim's car now and it really is uh, really does look uh, very sad it's just, it's wonderful i love it oh, i right. love it so send that to the Sonys. We will uh, we'll take your advice, Ian. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll certainly do that. Please do. On today's big phone-in, yes. which I'll be presenting, okay. uh, I'm going to be asking, do you think we have too many immigrants in this country? I told you I was in the mood for a feisty one. Today, the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, is expected to say that legitimate concerns about immigration have been downplayed for too long. He'll call for a crackdown on visitors to the UK who try to abuse the visa system. Why are you smiling at me? Because it's going to be a cracking show this morning. He'll suggest that applicants from some countries should run the risk of forfeiting money if they try to stay longer than has been allowed. Well, today I want to talk about the government's ideas to curb immigration, and I want to hear your views, and I want us to have an absolutely open and frank discussion. Do you think we have too many immigrants in this country. 08459 is the telephone number, and from nine, I'd like you to use it. Everybody, as long as you're not going to um, encourage extreme racism and abuse, everybody will be welcome to have their say on this morning's big phone in. I've noticed you flagged this up on the Facebook page already. Yeah. And, um, well, <laughs> there has been some extreme. There have been some very extreme, extreme views, views yes. expressed. Yes. We'll perhaps hear some of those views that yes. have been expressed on Facebook a little later on. What people don't realise as well is that because it's the BBC and it's, we have the ability, or people, anyone has the ability, to, to censor some words. So you type in a list of words you don't want to appear on your Facebook page, bad language and racist language, things like that. And it stops those posts being made public. But we get to see those posts as, as admin of that page. We get to see those posts. Mm. So I've seen some very, very naughty, naughty posts uh, on this subject. Well, there's some disgusting there. views. Some yes. people hold absolutely disgusting views, don't yes. they? Yes, That's the reality. Yes. We might hear some of those from time. Oh, I look forward to it. We'll see. Do you think we have too many immigrants in this country? It's the big phone-in. 08459 455 Jonathan, thank you very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Uh, you can email Jonathan as well, of course, if you want. JVSshow at bbc.co.uk. And I didn't, I forgot to thank him there. He was, I was getting bullied last night on Twitter. I was getting bullied by someone who said, Oh, I miss Ian Lee when he, where's the funny Ian Lee? He's not funny anymore. I miss him being funny. So I replied to this person, How's this for funny? You're blocked. Uh, and, and Jonathan stepped in and defended me vigorously. And then Jonathan got a load of abuse from this person. This person, I have to say, I can say this quite categorically, is a pervert. I can say, no, I can say that because what they do is they post pictures. They're one of these, and if you've got young people in the car, they're one of these foot fetishists. So all they do is post pictures of feet on their Twitter page. It really is. I had a look. The thing is, I don't mind feet. You've got nice feet. I'll have a look. This person's feet, they claim to be a woman, I think it's a gentleman. Horrible feet, really horrible. Oh dear, nothing sexy at all. Nothing sexy at all. So I have to thank uh, Jonathan for, for stepping in on the internet last night and defending me from internet bullies. So thank you. Now here's something, this popped up earlier on, I was speaking to Justin Dealey about this whole Rio Ferdinand debacle. Where Rio has um, been asked to play for his country. He's getting on a bit. He's about 35. Probably the last time he's going to be asked to play for the country. He said yes, and then he went, Oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Instead, he's going to go to Qatar. And he's doing some football punditry. I think it's for Al Jazeera. I'm not sure. I imagine it is Al Jazeera. I imagine big bucks. Big bucks will be involved in that. He'll be getting paid a few quid. And so I was asking Justin, what does he think about uh, a footballer turning his back on his country? And Justin suddenly went... We went bonkers. I've got no time. I'll tell you what, girl. I've got no time for England. I love the Atters. Come on, yes. I've got no time for England. Well, I was surprised. Club or country, dear listener. What do you think is more important to support when it comes to football? Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about speaking to fans in Hemel and finding out what they think. Now, David, for you, it's club over country every single time. Tell us why. Every time. Because... I, I can't afford a season ticket, so I don't go these days. But I used to go home and away, Arsenal. All my money, time and emotion went on my club. So why would I care about England? Plus, most of the people that play for England, you ain't in 50 weeks of the year. <laughs> I can't suddenly love Frank Lampard and Ashley Cole. and Come on, it's your country. Yeah, well, I'm half Welsh anyway. <laughs> when the rugby last week, I wanted Wales to win. So, so you think anybody who goes and follows England is quite simply wasting their money and their time? No, no, I'm not saying that, but I can't understand people who claim to passionately support a club but also passionately support England mm-hmm. can't see it OK John you're a West Ham supporter do you agree with me club over country any day of the week yeah club any day can you tell us why they don't seem to play for the country they don't seem to give their all for the country when it's club they seem to give more that's my outlook on it well, Daniel you're the second West Ham fan I bumped into this morning club or country for you uh, club and tell us why it's club over country because uh England's got no passion for me. It's just, uh, they've not got no fight or anything. So tonight, you won't be watching the game then? Uh, I may watch bits. Yeah. Bits and pieces. But, but seriously, no interest in England whatsoever compared to West Ham, your team? No. And your mates, are they exactly the same? Well, one of my mates has actually flown out there today, so... <laughs> so he's yeah. the opposite then? Yeah, he's completely I mean, opposite. If your mate has flown all the way out to watch this game, are you kind of thinking, you're mad? Not really, they're just just doesn't appeal to me at the moment until they start showing what they can do then not for me now Ashley you're a Milson Keynes Don supporter club or country club and can you explain your reasons why it's club and not country the players who play for the country do not it's, it's all about money for them it's not about wearing the shirt there's plenty of players out there who'd wear the shirt 
and play with pride. See, I was saying earlier on, being a Luke Sound supporter, I can relate to my team, but I can't relate to the England players. You're pretty much backing me up on that, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, it seems most, of, uh, most people agree with Justin. I'm surprised by that. Um, Matt in Luton has emailed him. Uh, like Justin, I'm disappointed. Lifelong 40 years Luton supporter. Oh, we're talking about Luton Town, who, who are doing terribly. Uh, this has been the worst season and the worst team I've seen in a Luton shirt. I've also lost interest in the England team, mainly because of the players' attitudes. It used to be an honour to play for England, but the players now see it as an option, making up mysterious injury that heals before the next game, or finding some excuse such as fitness regimes. It's about time the game sorted itself out. This is what Ferdinand is saying, I think, is that the England game doesn't fit in with his fitness regime. Is that what he's saying? Right, your only job is to play football. So all you've got to do is play football. So if you can't if you can't do that because it doesn't fit in with your fitness, I might get a bit tired. Yeah, I might get a bit worn out. Playing, playing. I might get a bit worn out doing my job. Imagine if I said, do you know what? Next Wednesday and Thursday, can't come in and do this. doesn't fit in with my fitness regime. doesn't fit in with my argument regime. I, I'm going to be having an argument at the weekend. And so to, to come in and argue on a Wednesday and Thursday, I just don't think I can make it. Sorry, boss. And then I'll go off to blooming Radio Al Jazeera for a big fat check. I'm getting slightly lost in the comparison, I realise. It doesn't quite equate, but you get my point. 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the A1, southbound delays between Eaton Soken and the Black Cat Roundabout. It's also looking slow if you're using the A1 to go all the way down toward London. Once you get to Edgware, it's looking busy between Apex Corner and Mill Hill Circus. The A10 crawling a little through Chesant between the Great Cambridge Road and Winston Churchill Way, and it's also busy in Enfield between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. M25, it's slow through the roadworks as you would expect. You're down to 50 miles an hour in the stretch with the narrow lanes from Junction 20 to 23 in both directions but anti-clockwise is where it's slowest then again from Maple Cross round to the M4 junction 17 to 15 delays continue on Chilton railway services this morning up to 45 minutes they're affected between Stratford-upon-Avon and Leamington Spa by a problem with lineside equipment and Virgin reporting delays of up to 20 minutes they had a problem with a fallen tree earlier this morning in the West Midlands Adam Glynn BBC Three Counties Radio Adam thank you very much indeed 08459 455 555 club or country which is more important to you when it comes to football. It's coming up to half past eight. Let's get the latest news and sport now. Here's Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A couple in Langley are determined to fight doctors for an operation to keep their baby alive. Elsewhere today, the Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg is expected to say that legitimate concerns about immigration have been downplayed for too long. The JVS show will be asking this morning, do you think we have too many immigrants in this country? Meanwhile, the owners of a controversial wood recycling site in Hertfordshire say they'll shut it down and residents in some villages around Stevenage have concerns they'll be swallowed up. That's if expansion plans for the area get approved. That's the news. Now let's turn to all the morning sport. 
Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with cricket and England won the toss but very little else as New Zealand enjoyed the best of the opening day of the deciding test match. They finished on 250 for one. Football and the England under-21 team beat Romania 3-0 at Wickham last night. Meanwhile, the England senior team played tonight against San Marino. Locally, Luton Town manager John Still will meet Hatters managing director Gary Sweet later on. They'll be talking about players who aren't necessarily needed next season. Players are going to go eventually and I'm in the process now of talking to, to players. I'll be having a meeting with Gary Sweet. Once you make your mind up, I think it's better to do it, you know, than let it drink. So yeah, that'll be part of the meeting, yeah. So Luton are at home to Tamworth tomorrow. Milton Keynes Dons are there away at Colchester in League One, but the Dons will be without defender Anthony Kay, who's now suspended for three games. And boss Carl Robinson, who could only put four subs on the bench for the game against Crewe on Tuesday, is still struggling with injury issues. Dave Martin, not trained today. Dean Lewinson's out. Shawnee Williams has got a personal thing. He's had to fly back to Ireland. Uh, Stephen Gleeson, Dean Bowles not trained today. Bamford has done half a session today. Lou Chadwick's not trained today, Daniel Powell's not trained today and Ryan Lowe has not been in today. You may as well write the whole team off. Right then, let's turn to boxing and Hertfordshire's Billy Joe Saunders retained his British and Commonwealth middleweight titles last night. The Hatfield man saw off challenger Matthew Hall. Finally, Milton Keynes' Red Bull have come second in second practice at the Malaysian Grand Prix. Lotus driver Kimi Raikkonen came first. Hertfordshire's Lewis Hamilton trailing behind ninth and Jensen Button not much better in 12th. And then we'll uh, finish there. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at nine. Whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. You, you, you had the tone in your voice, you had more to give us, and then what, what happened? You just ran out of news? Yeah, we just, we, it's enough. It's enough, isn't it? Do you want some more? I mean, you know, we can do a bit more if you like. No, we'll end it there. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! Lots coming up between now and nine o'clock, now and JVS, including thousands of homes could be built in North Hertfordshire by 2030. Well, as you've been hearing this morning, residents in Gravely fear their village could be swallowed up. Is it important to keep villages as they are or expand them for future generations? And it's Musical Friday. I'm very excited, very excited. We've had bagpipes. Was it a week ago we had bagpipes in? It was a week ago, wasn't it? That week has gone so quickly. So we've had bagpipes, we've had harps, we've had um, uh, gospel choirs. I say gospel choir, it was two people. Today, from Hemel, bit of banjo. Gentleman coming in, he says there's not enough young banjo players coming up the ranks. I totally agree with him. I love a bit of banjo. The thing is, it's flipping hard to play. It's a tough instrument. Well, he'll be in before nine o'clock, maybe proving me wrong. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 
I think there's a good argument that that's not the right number and that a lower number would be more appropriate. I think there's also a need to spread the housing around. It's supposed to meet the needs of people in the district and that need will be in Hitchin and Letchworth and Baldock and Royston and all of the villages. So the council ought to be identifying ways to put any new housing spread around like that. I think the problem they have is that they've found sites by going and asking developers where they'd like to build some houses rather than looking for places that might be suitable, that might not have a an undesirable impact and would actually meet local people's needs. The policies are supposed to make sure that there isn't a a joining together of towns and villages and the proposed site just stops in the middle of the field. I think it's probably along the line of the pylons but doesn't follow any sort of natural features at all. Uh, It will probably be a greenbelt boundary. They're supposed to be recognisable features in the landscape, woods or ridges or valleys or roads. I think it does none of those things. There are several areas where houses could potentially be built. Do you think all of them will see some housing in the long run? I suspect that some of them won't. I think some of the some of the sites are very unlikely to be built. The one to the northeast of Stevenage I think has some enormous difficulties in terms of, of access and ownership and whether or not the west of Stevenage one ever happens I think obviously depends on what the Secretary of State decides to do or what happens with the inquiry into the previous application. And some of the smaller sites are clearly suitable whilst others of them are, are clearly ridiculous. They're planting houses in the middle of nowhere. Liberal Democrat leader on North Hearts District Council, Steve Jarvis, talking to our reporter Ewan Duncan there. Well, the scenario for Stevenage could eventually have similarities to another area of the three counties, which expanded rapidly in the past and is still growing very rapidly. To date, Milton Keynes. Villages have been absorbed into the new city's development, so there has been a loss. So, ha- sorry, has there been a loss of some of the area's character in the process? We can speak now to David Muston, who chairs the Milton Keynes Heritage Association. Morning, David. Good morning. What lessons could Milton Keynes provide for the planners in North Hertfordshire? Um, well, there are, there are quite a few. Um, within the, uh, the large area of Milton Keynes, I mean, I, I think there was, uh, unlike what we've, we've just been hearing about Stevenage, um, it was a large designated area, and so there was no question that a number of villages would get subsumed within that uh, development. But um, as uh, indeed Steve Dice was saying, that uh, the Milton Keynes planners actually did take note of the natural features in the landscape and where they were there, they actually did follow them. So we had a number of what we call grid squares in Milton Keynes. These are roughly sort of one kilometre squares, not exactly squares, they're like sort of wavy squares. Um, and uh, they actually tried to, to, to sort of... Put, put these out across the countryside, sort of the natural patchwork of the countryside where you get a little village, maybe half, three quarters of a mile from the next one, typically have a church, you have a pub, and if you're lucky, you have a little village shop. Um, and when they plotted out these grid squares, they tried to make sure that some of the the really nice rural villages were actually ended up pretty much in the middle of those squares. Um, and in doing that, in doing that, they're actually able to maintain an awful lot of the original character. Um, they did put some new development around them. Um, they tended to keep that around the edges of the squares. And, and within the middle, um, you can, there's several squares that I can think of. And in fact, I, I had sort of personal experience of because I've worked there. Woolstone, uh, Woofton on the Green, Simpson. Um, you can stand in the middle of those grid squares in the summer, admittedly, when all the leaves are on the trees and the birds are singing, uh, and you could believe you're, you're still in the countryside. Um, obviously, there's always the, the, the sort of the background rumble of traffic, um, but you can have a 
very much more a, a sort of a mixed economy of housing um, between that and that, that of course is it, it's a sort of um, it, it's it's great for everybody who lives there because they can go effectively for a shall, shall we say a country walk even though they're in the middle of, of a city what was the scale of the, when uh, Mil- as milton Keynes expands was there a lot of opposition oh yes yes there always is um you know this is this is a big problem um and you know it'll never go away um you know we've been as as a country we've been underbuilding in terms of of housing for for decades now there is a a huge demand um at the same time obviously i I'm, I'm interested in heritage i'm very interested in trying to keep the very best of what we've got um but one has to accept that uh, um compromises do have to be made um but indeed intelligent planning and not uh, i would agree entirely what steve davis said about about simply leaving it up to the uh, you know the commercial pressure of, of developers um the planning has got to be thoughtful um it's got to to take into account the the natural features of the landscape uh follow the natural lines in milton Keynes, obviously they followed river valleys um the uh, the watercourses the lakes um, there's not much high ground, but where it's there, um, you, can, you can use the sort of folds in the country as well um, to follow those features through. David, is it, is it not just part of the world we live in that, that actually these small villages, they are eventually going to be absorbed as, as, as we do have to build more and more housing? Yes, well, the, the, the three instances I gave there mm. um, are, are, in my mind, some of the, probably the, the, you know, the, the best solutions that you can have given that those villages would eventually get completely surrounded um, I think there are there are other um, other solutions, but because the danger comes if you're if you're looking at low density, which is what you know Milton Keynes had when it was originally conceived, probably the lowest population. Well, in fact, I know I can't quote the actual figure, but it was the lowest population density of any new town, um, and so it was relatively easy. Milton Keynes still has to have some of its grid squares um, are pretty much full. Um, and you have to have that because uh, you balance um, that with the, the lower density where you have more attractive landscape and more attractive um, local amenities and villages that you do want to preserve within the, the, within the overall structure. Um, but it is a problem, um, but I would also agree that you, you don't want to have this thing where you have a, a sort of a low density which just keeps on growing and growing and absorbing and then you get coalescence between one town and the next town and you end up just filling everything with concrete. Um, and nobody, I don't think, ever would, would like that. David, thank you very much. We have to end it there. David Muston, who chairs the Milton Keynes Heritage Association. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we're expecting banjos before nine. Apparently he's lost. <laughs> he's lost. If, if he doesn't turn up, get him on the phone. We'll have ba- we, I will, we will have banjo music before nine o'clock. I'm almost going to guarantee it. If not, I'm going to put some strings on work experience Ollie and play him, for goodness sakes. I'll play his banjo. How about that? A banjo player is lost. If you see a man wandering around Luton with a banjo, send him over to us, if you wouldn't mind. Now, Justin Dealey um, th- th- surprised me earlier on in the show by saying, loves Luton Town. That wasn't a surprise. We, we know he does. But he's got no time... For England, the England squad. Pat in Houghton Regis. Pat, do, do you understand what Justin's saying? Yeah, I love Luton Town as well. No matter how poor they're playing at the moment, better than the England side by far. Why? Because listen, I don't, I don't particularly like football, so I, I don't understand this. Why? 
Well, you've got, uh, ever since they went to charge you to watch um, England on the TV, I lost interest. Why do I want to watch a football team that's mediocre, passes back to their defence 75% of the time, and don't know how to attack, and they're not really interested, really? Suppose, supposing they were excellent, Pat, supposing they, they, they had some superstars in there, would, would that excite you, would that interest you, or, or do you just think that, that they earn so much money, they're, they're not in touch with the common man? Oh, we, well, Rain, Rooney said it all when he criticised the fans in one of the um, big tournaments, you know, he said, call yourself fans, well, I say to him, call yourself a footballer, because they're not. He did do that. I remember that. He, he was yeah. uh, He's a bit of a Muppet, isn't he? He came out and slagged off all the fans for, for not supporting them properly. Well, 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 hang on a minute. What do you want? You're travelling that first class. You're staying in five-star hotels. You get, you get paid a fortune. You, 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 they are out of touch, aren't they? Well, yeah, they're out of touch, and they're the only team I know that are successful being unsuccessful. But, Pat, you talk, about, you talk about unsuccessful. Luton Town are terrible at the moment. Luton Town are only terrible at the moment because they're there because the FA picked on them with 30 points. They wouldn't be there at the time. They've had the biggest, they've had the bad deal all the way around for years. And that should be readdressed. They shouldn't be where they are. They've got the support. Great fans. And um, we're really a great a chairman in, in who they've got. But they've not got great players. They're, they're, they're doing terribly in the league. They're, they're well, not winning games. Listen to me, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. I haven't got a clue. But they're doing terribly, it, aren't they? They're doing terribly at the moment. But if you're a, a Law fan and you do like the ups that they do have, I mean, they're great in big tournaments and uh, we would like to see them back in um, the league. But we have to be patient. That's what good fans are. They're patient. OK, listen, thank you very much uh, for, for coming on, Pat. It's very nice to talk to you. Oh, I can see a gentleman with a banjo's arrived as well. Sing hosannas. We will be having banjo music before the end of the show, which is very, very exciting. Right, it's 8.44. Let's get the travel news now. Let's go to Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, if you'd told me, Ian, I'd have brought my ukulele. Uh, looking at the trains this morning, looking like it's getting back to normal. Finally, Virgin through the West Midlands. They had disruption because of a tree on the line between Sanwell and Dudley. The tree's long gone, and the residual delays seem to be shaking themselves out of the system. Chilton getting back to normal as well after earlier problems with line-side equipment at Hatton in Warwickshire. The A41 through North Watford. It's looking pretty busy approaching the Dome Roundabout. In Hitchin, we've got slow traffic on the A602 between Whitehill Road and the A505. Meanwhile, through Ware, it's looking slow on the A119 between Gascoigne Way and the Hartingfordbury Road. The M25 still pretty stop-start anti-clockwise from Waltham Abbey to Enfield to Junction 26 to 25 and through the roadworks. Looking better, though, from Maple Cross through to the M4, Junction 17 to 15. Not too bad round there now. A1, though, is still very slow into London between Apex Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, it's 8.45, Friday the 22nd of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple in Langley are determined to fight doctors for an operation to keep their baby alive. The Deputy Prime Minister is calling for immigrants to pay a deposit when they come to the UK. And in sport, Milton Keynes Red Bull have come second in second practice at the Malaysian Grand Prix. Coming up, 
It's Musical Friday. That means only one thing. Before nine o'clock, I'm going to be joined by a banjo player from Hemel. He says there aren't enough young banjo players coming up in the ranks. I agree. It's a wonderful instrument and not enough people play it. We'll talk more about that after the weather with Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. We're hearing lots of reports of some snow falling. Your producer's just been telling me all about the uh, all about your phone calls and texts. Uh, keep them coming in because love to know. Um, but uh, we've, we're expecting um, a further wintry mix. The rain, sleet, and snow. It's only falling as snow really, where we've got a little bit of elevation at the moment. Um, but there'll be more of that through the course of the day. I think it is likely to be dry through the rest of the morning. Um, certainly for a good few hours. We've got nothing on the radar at the moment for. Um, for the next few hours or so but then gradually we're going to see more outbreaks of rain sleet and snow as we head uh, through the late part of the afternoon particularly and then it's really going to pep up into tonight's rush hour and into the evening period as well when it's more likely to turn more rapidly to snow um, so yeah a bit of a damp feel to things we've got a strong easterly breeze it's not feeling very pleasant outside we're looking at temperatures only getting up to three perhaps four degrees celsius perhaps in Luton and in Stevenage and High Wycombe as well three degrees celsius just here that's the late 30s in Fahrenheit it's going to feel really very cold not very nice rather damp lots of cloud out there and then the snow is going to pep up into this evening and overnight a good few centimetres expected over the Chilterns again and into the early hours of tomorrow morning um, it will continue to snow I think even to lower levels into tomorrow as this system begins to pull away um, so a bit of a whiteout of the day tomorrow for many of us across the three counties um, the further south you are the further central you are to London I think uh, the more likely it is to fall as sleet and as rain but uh, air temperatures tomorrow only to two degrees celsius a strong easterly wind it's going to blow the snow around again sunday is looking dry but it's also looking cloudy and still staying cold in fact cold until the end of march there we go that's the forecast yeah thanks a lot Weekends on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nesta McGregor. When you tune into my show, you find out exactly what is going on in the community, who is doing it, with who, where and when. Nesta McGregor. It's also a chance to hear some absolutely fantastic music as well. Every Sunday night from 8. Every single thing we talk about is directly relatable to you. It's a story that's of direct connection. You want to hear about it and more often than not, you have an opinion about it. Esther McGregor, every Sunday night from 8. On BBC Three Counties Radio. So I was talking to Justin Daly earlier on, and I, I, listen, I don't know anything about football, right? And I was trying to have a little bit of football banter, just trying to get down and sound like a bloke, and I was asking him about what he thought about Rio Ferdinand kind of snubbing the England side. That's what he's done. He said, oh, I can't, I can't play for England. I've, it doesn't fit in my training regime. By the way, I'm off to Qatar to earn a load of money doing some the, the punditry for Al Jazeera. And Justin shocks me, shocks me by saying, I've got no time for the England side. No time whatsoever. They do nothing for me. I couldn't believe this. We've got 10 minutes. Can you call in in the last 10 minutes and explain this to me? Do you agree with Justin or do you think he's a traitor to his country? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number uh, if you want to give us a call. Daz has texted him. Uh, Luton Town over country easily. England only matters at World Cup and Euros final. If it was not on terrestrial TV and all over the news, then nobody would give us stuff. You're all furious about this. 
Not one of you so far has phoned in and said, well, hang on a second, no, we support our country. This is what we do, is we support our country. 08459 455 555. Can we find someone before the end of the show who supports their country and is a big fan of it? Or is it, uh, is it your local side over your country? 08459 455 555. Now... Joined now by a lovely bit of banjo. Good morning, Chris. Hi. Uh, Chris uh, Lawrence, uh, you're a banjo player from Hemel Hempstead. You've been playing since you were 16 years old. That's right. Now, yep. I... Oh, I've got the wrong... There we go, that's better. I'm a huge fan of the banjo. I see you've got... You've gone for the five-string. That's right. What's the difference between the five-string and the four-string? And the, there's even a six-string as well, isn't there? Well, yeah, the four-string is more for jazz or Irish music. Right. And uh, it's, of course, it's got the four strings. Uh, the fifth string is the original type of banjo yeah. that was invented, well, brought about by the African slaves taken over to America. Yeah. So, to my mind, this is the original banjo. And it even goes back to Egyptian times. They're hard to play. I can play a little bit of guitar. Yeah. I can play ukulele because it's a piece of cake. And then last year, I treated myself to a lovely five string banjo. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Because <laughs> it's, 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 I thought it'd be easy because it's got an open tuning, hasn't it? So it means you yeah, can yeah. just kind of you, ch- you strum it, and I think it's That's tuned a to G. a G chord. That's a G chord. And yeah. so you can t- just kind of put one finger up and play. But, but it, it's not just the chords; it's the picking and everything that goes with the banjo. Right. Yeah, picking, yeah. Yeah, which, which is impossible to do. <laughs> yeah, they're called rolls. Right. So you, you, what you do is you learn the rolls. Like this is a, a forward roll. So I'm watching for tips here, yeah. Yeah, so you, you learn the rolls until you can do them up to speed and until you can do them uh, without having to think about them yeah. instinctively. And how, you know, I'm, I'm a strummer, so I'm strumming the guitar. So yeah. it, to, to suddenly have to be picking each finger individually. Yeah, well, that will come as a bit of a shock. It, it, well, it does. It does. Yeah. How long have you been playing for? Um, well, I, I, I've been playing, playing since I was 16. Um, so I've been playing guitar and banjo for uh, 43 years. Right. But I had a, had a break for about 12, 13 years where I did classical guitar. Oh, OK. I did all my guitar exams up to diploma level. Right. And then that got me into teaching for Hearts County Council. Mm. And I've been teaching for Hearts County for 29 years now. Now... Uh, the banjo has not had the renaissance that the ukuleles had. The last few years, ukuleles have been everywhere, partly because yeah. of the ukulele orchestra and because right. they're fun and because they're easy to play. Mm. But I, I think the banjo is a much better instrument. Why has it not kind of had that renaissance, do you think? Well, Mumford, Mumford and Son and the Fleet Foxes are doing a great job. They're youngsters yep. that are out there, especially Mumford and Son. Yep. Um, it just, we just need to get, get more of that on the television mm. or on the radio more banjo music mm. um a more american folk and then all of a sudden it will it will come about i mean these things tend to last around about 10 years or so mm. so the the upsurgence you're getting of the ukulele maybe might start petering out in 10 years time th- you yeah. never know yeah and then something else will come along well i'm hoping I'm hoping that folk music will, mm. will start making a, a recovery by that. Who, who, who was kind of your, who's your main banjo inspiration? Well, there was an old cowboy guy, guy from Virginia called Daryl Adams. Yeah. And uh, also a lovely blues guitarist from Hemel Hempstead called Derek Brimstone. Right. And they used to get together and play at the local folk clubs in the area. And Daryl was a great inspiration. Mm. Dolly Parton and uh, Billy Connolly were, mm. were inspired by him as well. Right, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, lovely old boy. Pete, like Pete Seeger for me. Pete, yeah, uh, yeah. A big fan of Pete Seeger. And who are those two American cowboy dudes? Flats and Scruggs. Yes, that's right. They're yeah. brilliant. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're they brilliant. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm hoping you're, you're sat there. You've got it all, all ready. Can yeah. you give us a, a, a little tune? Can we hear something? Okay. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll try. Um, I'll try Blackberry Blossom. See how it goes. Okay. <laughs> I just did that. fantastic <laughs> and what what i mean it sounds amazing what you can't convey by not by not seeing it is just the speed that that, that right hand is going it's all it's all in the plucking isn't it it's incredible right. yeah, yeah. It, it must take you ages though to be able to get those rolls and those those plucks um well it, it takes about three years to get to a level where you can pick pieces of music up right. and kind of sight read them yeah but the, you can have a lot of fun along the way um i do a thing called up picking to begin with go on so that's just pulling the string yeah. up and that gets people started right and once they get to cripple creek they're kind of hooked by it. can you play cripple creek yeah that was one give us a bit more cripple creek. i okay. love cripple creek go on Cripple Creek girls about half grown. They'll jump up on a man like a dog on a bone. Yeah, they I love that song. <laughs> so listen, you, you teach this. We're running out of time. I could, I could listen to this all day. This is, I've got mm. shivers down my spine. Uh, whereabouts do you teach? If people want to get in touch and find out about the banjo. Uh, yeah, you can find me on the internet. Um, if you put in Chris, my email address is Chris dot lawrence mm-hmm. l-a-w-r-a-n-c-e okay chris dot lawrence at virgin dot net okay um and uh also i run a session yep. once a month tuesdays at leverstock green cricket club yep. tuesday night we start about eight o'clock so you can always come there to the cricket club have a drink listen to the music 
and then uh, have a chat to me right. and I'll fix up some lessons oh okay. man I wish I'd had the confidence to bring mine in <laughs> I'll give you a business card uh, do do <laughs> definitely because I, I, I love it and just yeah, I'm going to get mine out today it's, it's up in the spare room I'm going to get out today tune it the thing is my little boy who's three mm. thinks it's great fun to detune all of my instruments that's the fun for him is him playing with the peg so it's out of tune yeah give us give your email address one more time Chris so that people um, can well one thing I would like to say yes. if you want to come along to the club and, and record us sometime yep. there are f- three or four professionals professionals that play there brilliant and it's a very high standard so if you want to just come along sometime fantastic and record or just come along and have a listen chris it's very nice okay. to meet you thank you so much we had cripple creek live on my show i never thought we'd get that excellent stuff indeed thank you very much uh, for that right that's it I've, that's the weekend what a way to end with a little bit of banjo why listen young people put away your 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 hooches and your bottles of glue and your rock guitars go and buy treat yourself to a banjo what a marvelous majestic sound Right, here's the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1M going southbound. I'm afraid it's blocked at the minute. Stationary traffic because of an incident between Junction 4 at Hartford and Junction 3 for St Albans and South Hatfield. Sandra got caught up in that and gave us a call, so thanks very much indeed. So going southbound, the A1M is completely blocked between Junction 4 and 3. The M25, anti-clockwise, still pretty stop-start from Waltham Abbey to Enfield, so approaching the roadworks. It's taking around 15 minutes to get through. If you're using the A1 to get in toward London, round Edgware, you're still going to find a queue from Apex Corner through to Mill Hill Circus. Pretty slow on the cameras around there. Meanwhile, the A10 through Chesant is busy between Turnford and the M25 at Junction 25, and then again through Enfield between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. Trains looking good now. Only a couple of delays left after the problems for Virgin and Chilton earlier this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Well, I apologise in advance to my wife and my neighbours. It's banjo day in my house. Oh, well, I'll get my banjo out. Right, I'll be back on Monday at six. JBS is up next. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. And we all breathe a sigh of relief. We're not Ian's next-door neighbour. Good morning, thank you, Ian. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Friday morning, and on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, do 